Hey, man, why so glum? Ugh, it's lunchtime. I'm bored. My Facebook feed is nothing but cats and babies. Didn't you know that Lunch with Jim and Aaron is on? No, what? Yeah, they get on camera and gab with people about TV, life, whatever. Okay, I'm on it. Not to mention live streams of all their instant and full podcasts. Plus, they have ad-free feeds, so you'll never hear me make this pitch again. That's great. I never want to hear this again. Shut up. Take my money. Get over to patreon.com slash baldmove to get access and help support free and independent podcasting. Okay! Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And tonight we're talking about Season 5, Episode 5, titled Self-Help. Uh, has your opinion on this one changed at all since the last time we talked about it? Um, a little. I, I still think that they don't... They're having a hard time getting a handle on story structure and characterization and stuff this season, which I... I always think that they're just on the cusp of putting all that stuff behind them and, and moving forward. You know, like I said, we were really over the moon about the show for the first two episodes and we wondered if they could keep this momentum going and the last three episodes, uh, not so much. In fact, I feel kind of foolish for being as hard on episode three. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I, I felt like I was judging that on the standard of the first two episodes and now, arguably, slab down and self help were worse. Were worse um, as far as uh, telling a story, so yeah, I don't know. Not not really. I haven't really warmed up that much. How okay. about you? Yeah, I think I have. I've been thinking a lot about um, Abraham's arc, uh, and, and particularly what we see in this episode is compared to some of the stuff from the end of last season, uh, specifically like the tunnel scenes kind of what they've been through um, in the meantime. And I think I'm warming up to Abraham, uh, the way that his story is told a little bit more. I still think there are some big glaring flaws with this episode that we'll talk about later on. But overall, I'm coming around to the idea that maybe this was a better a better job of characterization than I'd given them credit for uh, in the instant cast, which, you know, that's the nature of the instant cast. You see it without thinking about it and you react, so... Do you think that some of this is a result of peep, of you reading stuff online and of getting a little bit more background information? Or do you think this is... Potentially, maybe it is, but I will justify why I think it's a better... Okay. Why I think it's better and what in this episode in particular sure. makes me think it's better. Okay. Um, so, sure. I do think that there's... a. Uh, a lot of angry people <laughs> with us uh-huh. that are kind of hate listening our podcast, and I just like to say, there's just there's no need to do that. If we're getting you that worked up, <laughs> you don't have to listen, man. I think uh-huh. that here, here's here's the here's the thing. Whenever there's an episode so good, you just want to get up and slap your mama. Come back to our podcast. 
and love it with us because we'll probably love it too. Yeah. If there's an episode so bad that even in your the the warm cockles of your Walker Walking Dead fan heart, mm. you're like, this is terrible, this is horseshit. I'm about to give up. Come back to us and hate the show with us. If okay. you're just getting kind of if you're getting some forty degree day uh, type episodes, probably give us because because we're you're just not going to hate as much as we do, and you're going to get sure. your blood 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 worked up about it. And I'm just worried about y'all's health. Okay. I care. All right. <laughs> I don't want to hear about a bald move fan dying because their heart exploded or they had a brain aneurysm listening to our podcast. I mean, yeah. I run that risk every week on The Walking Dead. I I, I don't. <laughs> All right. All right. Did you find out anything about this episode? Uh, yeah. So my director and writer theory is kind of in jeopardy because the director is Ernest Dickerson, who I love and respect from many shows, including The Wire, Treme uh weeds which i've not seen a lot of but i know you were a fan of the first few seasons eureka and just tons of walking dead episodes stretching all the way back to wildfire in season one so i know this man can point a camera at things and and tell an interesting story is written by heather belson who has basically worked on one episode of the walking dead one episode of black sales and two episodes of unforgettable Hmm. which i I forget what that is i don't uh, yeah it's it was forgettable for me uh black Uh sales of course was a i think a history channel pirates yeah uh show in the vein of viking sounded interesting i know vikings has got a a, a decent size fan base yeah uh so it's like well maybe that's sketchy but then seth hoffman has written like nine episodes of the walking dead bunch of episodes of house bunch of episodes of vegas damn near every episode of prison break which again had a fairly sizable fan base Hmm. so i feel like these are professionals that know how to do a professional product project and i don't I, i can't explain other than maybe there's really nothing particularly wrong with this episode except for the zombie set piece I didn't care much about talking about the fire hose, the scene. fire hose and the fact that I really just didn't care to get into this storyline. I was, I had just yeah. forced myself to invest in the previous hospital storyline due to the sheer awesomeness of the Carol Garkey mm-hmm. coming to town. And then I'm going away to this. And as we find out, it, it seems like it's ultimately going to be a meaningless diversion. Yes, it, it, although it it gave us, I think, some much needed characterization for Abraham. Right up to this point, yeah, he's Abraham, just been meathead on a mission. Abraham needs characterization, sure. Yeah, and I think I'd be happy to get it. Uh, I just wonder if we needed a standalone episode for him to shine sure. in, mm-hmm. in the middle of a, a more compelling arc about Beth and company. Okay, did not think I would stretch those string those words together. A more compelling <laughs> arc about Beth and company, but. Uh-huh. That's the Watching Dead. This is what this is what I'm doing on here. Indeed. Uh, are you ready to get into the recap? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. We're driving down the road in a bus. We're talking. We're talking about Abraham and Eugene's hair getting dolphin smooth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maggie thinks uh, the group might just be right behind them. Maybe they're they're coming up behind us any moment now. Uh, the question Eugene about his hair and his plan, and then all of a sudden the bus flips over. <laughs> it's kind of out of nowhere there and and we have no fucking clue what happened until way later in the episode yes that's an accurate retelling of events yeah um so did you have a problem 
with this bus just flipping over in, a, in a Lori-esque scene here. Of course. Like I said, okay. I, I feel like Abraham went to the Lori T. Grimes school of post-apocalyptic driving uh-huh. because you had a... Mi- I was going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that maybe one of the front tires blew, yeah. which can lead to some law. Lo- you know, I, I don't think a guy like Abraham or any competent driver should just fucking flip a car. But I was going to be like, okay, fine. Apparently, there was glass in the line, and the mm-hmm. glass somehow cut through the fuel line and sprayed fuel in the engine and made it catch on fire, and that led to. Yeah, so it was like at, at the spark plugs. So if you so if you're if so let's say the flame like and we didn't see any evidence of this, but let's say flames started shooting out from underneath your hood. Mm-hmm. Do you have a problem with avoiding things that are in the middle of the road at that point? Uh, maybe if the smoke is thick enough. There was no smoke right. immediately. More to the point, do you think that if you hit a pickup truck? with a school bus you would flip it all right so i don't have a problem with this because <laughs> That's hollywood right? this is hollywood car mechanics yeah you hit with anything with two wheels on one side of your car and you're gonna flip you're just case roll. it's georgia wood y- yes Peach, peachy wood it doesn't matter you hit you hit it on one side you're gonna roll okay so i'm okay with that yeah i, I just i i, I don't know but, I, but so we were speculating about maybe like the engine seized up when it exploded and maybe that caused the front tires to lock up which would cause no, a problem it caused the back steering. tires to lock up which maybe you get fishtailing and uh-huh. you lose control but you know when they wrecked uh first of all like it, it doesn't seem the engine seized up because yeah of course eugene what the hell does he know how does he know that the fuel line got cut and the, you know it's like <laughs> i i just i i don't trust him as a mechanic as a forensic mechanic yeah but i, I i'm having a hard time thinking of a situation where you'd lead to this catastrophic failure i wonder but who cares honestly yeah who cares that's not the problem the only reason i'm bitching about this is the rest of the episode is annoying okay so <laughs> there we go i do i do like the like a team action we got Coming out of the bus. Uh, coming out of the bus where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, uh, Abraham is Mr. T, Glenn is Hannibal, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, uh, Rosita's face, uh, who is the crazy uh-huh. guy that always drove the helicopter? That would be Eugene. Uh, I don't I don't know what his name is. Tara is useless. Uh, you just it's <laughs> I like that. It's like, bah, 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 bah. and I, yeah. I, I would love to see, like, wouldn't that be a cooler show? If like they go into a barn each week, mm-hmm. and that you just have scenes of Abraham welding sheet metal to the school <laughs> bus, and yep. and Glenn smoking a cigar, and uh, uh, and 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 Eugene's building some crazy flamethrower out of a fire truck hose and gasoline and dish soap. I would that's, watch that. That's the kind of Walking Dead you want from this group, right? Yeah, like that's a survival action. Yeah. yeah that really gets me going. Yeah, they just go from barn to barn, uh-huh. making the school bus progressively more of a badass post-apocalyptic machine. That'd be so cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that that would be awesome. I, I did a little research on uh, Eugene's claims here. Uh-huh. About the uh T Brooks Ellis saying he had some great hair. Uh that being the head of the human genome project, completely untrue. As far as I can tell, there is no man named T. Brooks Ellis. He certainly is not the head of the genome the human genome project. 
that is Francis Collins for anybody who's wondering. Are they are they just having fun here? I don't know. Like, are they trying to? Maybe maybe the human genome project coordinator found out that they were going to intimate that Eugene was one of his employees. He said, I will sue for defamation. <laughs> I would never hire that. You man. say that shit and I will sue you. I will never work in science again. If you said <laughs> I'd put that mullet on my staff, even as a joke. Yeah. Even as a joke. Even as a lie. He ceased and desist. Yeah. He, had a, he, had, he had him barred from using that plot line. So Gimple had to scramble and just, just make shit up. Could be. I, I think when this supposed T. Brooks Ellis guy was telling Eugene that his hair made him look like a fun guy. Like fun, a fun guy, guy was in air quotes. Yeah. And he's like a fun guy by which I mean a mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm kept in the dark and Abraham feeds me bullshit. Actually, that's a little this, re- reverse. Eugene treats Abraham like the mushroom. Yes, he does. But anyway, uh, this is kind of the first we see of Abraham and Rosita's relationship. And like, any real capacity? Yeah, a lot of a lot of her emails said that that kind of came flying out of nowhere. Agreed, disagree. a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I always thought that was the the hint, and I don't know if it's because that the comic book experience where they were very clearly a couple kind of colored that. Oh, okay, yeah. And now that I can actually say that since it's 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 on the screen, but mm-hmm. I felt like from a television standpoint, they always. I, I never got a hint that they were like hot and heavy for each other. No, I. I and now they're fucking dolphin style. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Abraham's uh, got his blowhole, uh, blowhole going. His S shaped prehensile penis is just exploring every crevice. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> then we get a flashback. It's it's the style love making that really 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 gives one pause. Yeah. Echolocation. <laughs> Can't rely on lights in a zombie apocalypse. For sure. No, that's totally true. Uh, so we go to, you know, the theme music, and then when we come back, we've got a flashback of Abraham beating four men to death with a can of soup. With with individual cans of soup. A, a can of soup yes. for each man he kills. They're, they're, <laughs> that's exactly right. You know, you got uh, you, you got to use different techniques for for certain people. You know, one sure. guy tomato soup. The other guy gets the edge. The, of the, the other guy, you know, cream of mushroom. Mm-hmm. You know, you might need broccoli, vegetable cheese. beef. Yeah, yeah, vegetable beef for like a real motherfucker that you really want to fuck up. Yeah, you get I think the... I think you get broccoli cheddar for that, right? Really? Like that's a dense, yeah, yeah, thick soup. The the, so. the chunky hearty style. Yeah, it's really going to lay bricks on them. <laughs> Did they? Did they just all lay there? I think so. And await their turn to be beat to death by Abraham? Unless he did like a Zangief spinning flying <laughs> can of soup. Knocked them all. Roundhouse. <laughs> like he comes spinning down the aisle with two cans of soup. It's a special attack. <laughs> Knocked them all unconscious and then he just finished the job while they were laying there yep. wheezing. Yep. I did already say he's a Street Fighter character, so maybe sure. that's that's He's gone from being move. Hagar, isn't it? For on the was a final fight or River uh, City. Sure, Hagar was on Final Fight, yeah. Uh, and now, now he's Zangief from Street Fighter. Yep. Sure. Uh, a, a little he's not, mixed Zangief, in with Guile. Point of fact, Zangief not, not Dolphin Smooth. No, God He's no. festooned with, with hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's move on. The group breaks into... No, that's, that's way later. The group wakes up, crashed in the bus uh, with walkers all around, and then they make their escape, uh, like we were talking about, him busting out and double-fisting walkers. Uh, Tara gives Eugene a knife, and then he ends up saving her with it. Then they all, uh, they kill the walkers, and then Abraham's cut opens up, but he refuses to go back 15 miles to the church to fix it. 
Uh, he, I mean, he took what, a pretty pretty what, hard shot to the sack. Apparently, what is up with the neck stabbing walkers? I don't know, man. I felt like they had established you have to destroy the brain, and yet they're using a four inch blade to stab up through the chin. I don't think a four-inch blade reaches into your brain. I don't know. I thought Abraham's was more of a, a six-incher. Abraham's for sure, but the the blade that Tara had, the but blade that Eugene then, had, when he's putting that in at the bot at the bottom of their jaw, because they've done a couple where the zombie's mouths open and they poke up through the roof of their mouth. Obviously, that's going to get the job done. Although there's a lot of sinuses and and whatnot. It's interesting because I've always thought it was weird that any shot to the brain disables a zombie. When when yeah. from J- Jenner's little science show. We learned it was actually the brain stem, the little uh-huh. walnut, walnut-sized jobby there at the base of the, the 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 spine that does all the magic. But you know, whatever. I feel like in The Walking Dead, you have to treat anything above the neck as fatal when it comes to zombies. I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, there's real life stories of dudes getting rebar. Oh yeah. Through the eye socket, out the back of their head, and fully recovering. Yep. Maybe they go on a radical change of personality, whatever. But they or don't, maybe nothing, or sometimes nothing. Yeah. yeah, like the old school lobotomy procedure was to stick an ice pick in the temple and like wiggle it up and down. That did not kill the per- That did not Jesus. kill the patient, obviously. Yeah. Uh, or at least not all the time. So, like, ideally, you would want to get them either sever their spinal cord so they can't move. Right. Uh, that would absolutely work. Yep. Um, the other option is to get their their motor cortex, I guess, like whatever moves the zombies, yeah. you could get that. Um, or just plain do enough damage to their head where the brain stops working, I guess. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm just yeah. gonna, going forward. Uh, my zombie science is that as long as you have a hit anywhere above the neck, it's going to be fatal to a zombie. Yeah. Otherwise good, good we'll never get, get through an episode. Yeah. Um, did, did you have a problem with them kind of all, agreeing that 15 miles back to the church was not the way to go here. There's a moment where both Glenn and Abraham ask for permission and kind of say, you're the one running the show to each other. Yeah. I feel like like that was weird. And and I, I, someone, someone in it would have, should have said something, right? Like Maggie seemed almost happy when Glenn decided to carry on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, that was one of the problems with if Abraham is so hell bent on keeping uh, what's his face safe, Eugene safe. It seems like pushing ahead when you're 15 miles out. I, like I'm, I'm literally like Glenn could be like, God, we can make it back there before it gets dark. Yeah, we have no water. We have no supplies of any kind. Right. We could go back, you know, from a position of strength, find a better vehicle. Yeah. And then keep moving. It'd be one thing if the if if the. I feel like it'd be one thing if the church bus just broke down, mm-hmm. but it flipped over and exploded. Yeah. You, you can't fix it. No. <laughs> I feel like that's like Fubar head back. <laughs> you would think so, but... And I understand I, that Abraham yeah. is not wired that way, but sure. everybody, no one else seems like they have a, a suicide w- wish. And, 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 you know, Glenn and Maggie yeah. are only there to try to keep rick and abraham from fighting so it was a little weird that them and tara just went along with whatever yeah i didn't quite understand why everyone else was going along with it even if i do understand why abraham wants to continue Uh uh-huh it makes a lot of sense why he does 
but I, I'm with you. I think that was a little silly of them not to insist on we're going back. Fuck whatever you want to do. Uh, really cool zombie ki- or not kill, but disgusting zombie scene of the hillbilly zombie. He was like all bare chested with a big long white beard. Yeah, coming through the window. Yeah, and he impales himself in that shard of glass, just working it in his guts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty. That gross. was pretty tasty. Uh, we get another flashback from Abraham. It's just really quickly him looking for his family after he murders these guys. That's it. They're kind of they're kind of piecemealing us here yeah. a little bit. And you see a little bit. Well, I'll go. I'll wait for another scene because there's, okay. yeah. Then the group breaks into the bookstore and Tara drinks some water out of the toilet. Uh, like while, you do. While the rest of the group is securing the bookstore and Rosita sews up Abraham's hand. Uh, a lot of good stuff in this scene as far as zombie survival goes. You know this. I've, I've written many zombie survival guides uh, for season. You know, I wrote a whole fucking book on season one. I've got yeah. half a season two covered, like half a season three, half a season four. Which, by the way, I got I got seven five star reviews on on Amazon for that shit. If you want to check out my uh, survival guide for season one, book.baldmove.com, you can read a lot of it for free. It's uh, Kindle lendable. It's on the Kindle Unlimited plan. It's super easy to get. It's, uh, un- it's two ninety nine if you don't got any th- any of that stuff. Unlimited Kindle Kindle lim- lendable. Yeah, Kindle like you, lendable. You buy it and you can lend it to all your friends. Okay. If you got Kindle Unlimited, you can just get it for it's like you know all you can eat buffet. Lindable on Kindle. Lindable. <laughs> Try to say that five times fast. Uh, with a book by Stephen Linder from The Bridge. <laughs> it's a Linder Lindable Kindle. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, check it out. Book.ballmove.com. Cool. Uh, I you know and that's that's just, this is porn for me. Yeah, I like I like the just I, I just get excitement from the idea of like oh they they're they're making a a great out of. Uh, clothes hangers. Yeah, and they're they're recovering water. water out of the 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 tank on the back of the toilet. And they're I like what Eugene does. He takes a battery and a strip of foil. Litchfield lighter, right it, out of Orange is the New Black. Is that what that's called? Well, I mean, it's that was one it's of the just plot a joke points. On there. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, and he straps it to the two terminals and he touches it to the paper and it lights up. Supposedly that works. I would imagine. Let's yeah. try it. That's ooh something for lunch with Jim and Aaron. Okay. We'll try. We will it. try to set things on fire Jesus. in our studio on our wooden table, <laughs> lacquered up, <laughs> lacquered up. We will be liquored up. The table's lacquered <laughs> up, and we will be making flambe. Great, uh, and also using stitching from books to sew up Abraham's hand. Is that a good idea? Is that superior to any other thread? It's superior to no thread. Sure, but and they. I, I don't know if they had thread. They're Their surrounded. First aid kit they're surrounded by cotton fabric of our lives. I mean, if I wanted to, I could produce thread right now. <laughs> sure. You know, with this t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, I would like to ask the question, is there any reason that bookbinding thread... And every time I ask these questions... It's like, strong? I, I fully know. expect to hear from a surgeon, yeah. two battlefield medics, and like a backwoods a sur- survivalist. Oh, yeah, and a sure. bookbinder yeah. by next week. And I'll, I'll get to choose one of the five to read. Yeah. Uh, whoever's got the best bullshit story, probably. All right. So anyway, I liked a lot of that stuff there. And that's, you know, that's kind of why I like Max Brooks stuff with the sure. zombie survival guide. Uh, all those little tidbits. Uh, anyway, Abraham is standing guard and then Glenn walks up and there's a moment where a walker just smashes his face a couple times against the glass, which I thought was cool. Uh, Abraham thanks him for coming along. And then he t- philosophizes about killing people in this stage of the apocalypse a little bit. Um, I also like the suggestion where he's like, you know, you could have broken your agreement. 
And Glenn's like, oh, I, you know, I'm not that kind of guy. He's like, yeah, what would I do? Beat you to death? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, although I don't know if he could take Glenn because the first time they fought, nothing happened. So it's like. <laughs> I thought it was interrupted. It was. It by was. a zombie falling from a second story window. Potentially, yeah. Else, else I think uh, Glenn would have been in trouble. But Glenn, Glenn had the gung-ho take no retreat i'm going through the fucking scary ass tunnel for no insane right for no valid reason right. and and abraham's like whoa man it's just a couple miles the other way do you think that this is like the that gung-ho asshole is something like the measles like you can only get it once it's highly communicable it's now abraham's <laughs> turn off on him you know oh rosita's getting it next no no he, he obviously it's, it's bloodborne so he beat he, oh. he, he got in a tussle mm. with eugene and now eugene's gonna have it eugene's gonna be the gung-ho could be could be we uh, must go right through this horde well this is one of the things that i at first had a big problem with like a chili cheese burrito through my <laughs> bowels <laughs> with the characterization of abraham i felt like he had turned into a different character at this point like they were using the flashback to show us something about abraham that didn't seem to exist in his character before well yeah and like what but but i like finishing my point i think the circumstances around what he's seen and around terminus specifically might have changed him significantly or or at least made it clear that this world is not one in which you can take it in this lackadaisical fashion like you can't stop you can't rest and now like the world is fighting against him so he's pushing back even harder I think that that's the, the terminus has got to be the only thing that did change him, and the the only problem I have with that because that's valid, you know, terminus is a yes. was a shit show. Yeah, it could definitely change one's opinion on, on the world because it's like before then it's like maybe it's it's it was just zombies. You didn't have the whole uh, th- uh, human threat element, and that like really changed his opinion, which makes me mm-hmm. wonder. Is Georgia the only state in the union where people have just gotten depraved, crazy, cannibal, prison? <laughs> zombie daughter uh-huh. wwf fighting like everybody else is kind of like working together and kind-hearted and it's like the threat you get to georgia <laughs> and it's like the fucking thunderdome so if they were to make it outside of georgia if you can make it the land of peaches is somehow that they've got georgians have developed a chemical dependency to peaches. <laughs> and now that the peaches aren't flowing. The, the harsh Georgia winter killed all the orchard. They didn't have any oh, peach man. tenders to like keep the peach trees warm and to right. fertilize them. And they're, they're, that, that uh, whatever protein or carbohydrate is necessary for them not to go crazy is missing. And they're just You're all right. reverting to this animalistic state. I think we've discovered it. So they just need to get into, up into Tennessee or something. and yeah. They'll be fine. I'm honestly going to be, be worrying for Georgia if I hear that they're, you know, too many freezing days in a row. Yeah, right. Or a drought. Maybe that's why Georgia almost got destroyed by two inches of snow last year. It wasn't <laughs> that. It was the fact that they it, it jeopardized the flow of peaches. Yeah. The peach <laughs> must flow. I think you're right. All right. We figured that. Part. Uh, We've got that figured out now. So he says, uh, I really need some ass before I uh, do whatever I'm going to do. And he heads off, and then we see Eugene watching them get it on, Abraham and Rosita. Uh, Tara catches him. Oh, my sleek, powerful dar- dolphin. Uh, yeah. Pin Ugh. me to the seafloor and have your way with me, Neptune. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Wait, can, uh, we, can, we go back, uh, can we go back to Abraham's motivation? Sure. So if Terminus was a catalyst, yep. why the flashback? 
Like, what did that? What did the flashback have to do? I, yeah, I feel like Terminus is not uh, obviously Terminus is not the catalyst for his mission in general. It the, feels like the flashpoint where where things had been building. He had been getting uh, derailed and constantly taken off mission, and Terminus was a thing that really just set him back. Mixed with the fire truck and mixed in with uh, just all the shit that's piling up, keeping him from his mission. Now he finally explodes. So the 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 reason that he's been going more and more gung ho, and this kind of behavior started at the church, mm-hmm. which was another exposure to the Terminites, another show that because I I don't feel like Abraham fears the dead. No, he doesn't. He says killing is the easiest thing now. And and if you think about the Terminus experience, what if, if it wasn't for Rick and and honestly Carol coming back, they would have all died. Yeah. So maybe that's actually put the fear of God into him a little bit. And so the flashback is is informing us why he is so tied up with these concept of salvation and and saving yeah. Eugene. He's transferred all of his will to live from his family to the pudgy mullet yeah so there's something i'll bring up now that happens much later in the episode when they encounter the herd um eugene's talking and he's, he's trying to convince everybody to continue on with the mission despite this insurmountable obstacle and he says something along the lines of sooner or later you get cornered uh and then you wind up you wind up staying and you wind up killing and i feel like that is exactly what happened to him in this shop uh, this this convenience store or wherever his family was at that point. I feel like he, they, they tried to hold up there. They stayed. And then they ended up, he had to kill these guys to protect his family. And he wants to avoid a situation that turns into that again. Yeah, so, seems reasonable. Yeah, so I think they do some a pretty good job showing us like how afraid he is that that is going to happen to him again. And how, I don't know. I So his hands are really interesting, like the blood on his hands sure. throughout the episode, which I want to talk about a little later. Okay. Um, but it kind of all relates to, you know, what's going on in his head. And I think it's worth talking about. And it's why, it's one of the big reasons why I'm I'm t- kind of taking a liking to this episode a little bit the more. The wound on his hand ripping open is symbolic of the psychic wounds ripping open in his head. Yeah. You you say that with a, a little jokingly, but I think it yes, I think that's what they're going for. Okay, I yeah, okay. I think it is, and right. I think it's fairly effective. Um, anyway, so what's happening here? Uh, Eugene's watching him get it on. Tara catches him. He makes some excuses, and then she encourages him to kind of toughen up. And then that's when he admits that he sabotaged the bus. Wow! She just decides to cover it up there's the thing like i i hear what you're laying down as far as this episode and you know what it's trying to do yeah but once again i have a problem with stuff like this like in no universe does it make sense for tara to keep this from anyone mm-hmm. like that was a big problem i had in season one dale sees shane come a frog's hair from murdering his friend. Uh-huh. Dale knows that Shane has got a thing for Lori. It was plain as potatoes. As plain as the <laughs> potatoes on Dale's face. Uh-huh. That that this was a, a flashing red... And it, it took him a season and a half before he mentions, after a lot of other sketchy behavior of Shane, oh, by the way, yeah. you might want to keep an eye on this guy. 
I, again, in an, it just feels like that people in this show carry each other's weight like they're in the fucking mafia. When yeah. in in you know, and it'd be one thing if if I guess it'd be one thing if Eugene was this really charismatic leader character that you know it's like wow he just can't you know it's like I this is so far from his image of me or my image of him that I just am going to ignore it you know whatever I still think that would be a tough thing to swallow but for her to just be like look you can't tell anyone else and I'm not going to tell anyone this is her secret you've been a bad boy don't do it again when he's confessed to doing it several times uh-huh. You know, I just, it seems he's hard. He's playing the helpless card. He's like. It makes Tara look really stupid, and Tara's not a character that can afford to be made look, <laughs> to be made look stupid. She does that enough on her own. Like, I, you know, this, the, and this fist bump bullshit. Again. <laughs> I've learned to ignore the fist bump. Like, yeah, I know, but I'm it's saying. just a part of her character I'm saying the, on the Walking Dead staff, uh-huh. that is seen as a cool character trait. That is seen as hmm. something, and then I don't know because, like, who would think Jesse Pinkman's act? You see that shtick in episode one, mm-hmm. you're like, "Wow!" If I told you, you got five seasons of that yeah. coming ahead, and by the end, you're gonna love it. And by the end, you're gonna love it. You'd be like, "No fucking way!" Get this, that you know, this is gonna wear thin. And they kind of uh, moderate it, and they give other facets, but that core aspect of him never went away. Yeah, I don't know. Are they thinking that they're going to shove the fist down our throat until we so. learn to choke it down and love it? Yeah, they're going to fist us. Three seasons from now, we're going to be begging for Tara's fist. <laughs> maybe so. I mean, as long as they use it sparingly, maybe we will. Maybe we'll be like, man, I haven't seen Tara fist bump in a while. Yeah. Is she done with... Oh, nope, there it is. Okay. Yeah. When you get to a, a... You know, we'll be looking for a Tara bottle episode. Who's she going to fist bump? <laughs> There's no one else around. Is she going to fist bump a zombie uh-huh. in desperation? And then she does. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, she de- definitely has some other weird character traits, like uh, sneaking a peek over the shelves at Rosita and Abraham. Yeah, she's she's she snuck a couple peeks at Rosita before. I feel like that's consistent with her character. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, but I, man, you, you tell Eugene he shouldn't be doing that, and then you go do it yourself. Come on. Well, it's one on, thing. Tara. It's one thing to have your pants around your ankles, <laughs> breathing heavily and staring from you know the for the whole thing. It's another to just be like you know dad ass though, and then move on with your life. Yeah, but even with a close up, you can't see anything. Come on, Tara. <laughs> uh, she should try the echolocation glimpse. thing. She should give you a little bit of the dolphin over the bookshelf. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Glenn and Maggie are then talking about their mission, having a little downtime. I thought it was kind of funny here that. While Rosita and Abraham are over there banging, Glenn tries to make a move, and he is completely shut down by Maggie. Not he goes sh- in for the, the multiple kisses, and then, boom, it's hug time. And she smothers him with his face. Uh-huh. Shh, shh, shh. No more, no that, more, that my love. That part of our relationship is long over, That's Glenn. right. We, you, you ran through your tin condoms back on the farm, buddy. <laughs> yeah, so sad. Uh, they used to be the hot and heavy couple. Now they are not. No, nope, yep. Things times have changed, for sure. I uh, want to say it's because uh, you know she's mourning Beth. This is the lone evidence. You want to say that? This yeah. Is the lone, her 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 sex drive shriveling to nothing. Uh huh. Is is her the one way she can show the world her undying love for her sister? Sure. Not by listing her among the people who she's concerned about finding. <laughs> no. uh, not by doing that. Certainly. You know those people that we know. Carol and Daryl, I'm yeah. kind of worried about that. I wonder where they went off to. Yeah. 
So I don't know. Is it that Maggie just thinks she's dead at this point? Like she's just completely given up. We got hope? a couple theories on fa- on feedback. We'll let the fans have their say. Okay, cool. I, I'm, you know, I just, I guess, I don't really care. It's it, it, at this point, if she gets hysterical about missing her sister, it would feel weird. It would feel totally weird. So, yeah. and I, I kind of wonder what. You know, Beth could die and this could be all moot point, but it'd be super interesting how they handled them being reunited. Yes. Because, like, say what you will about Rick, Rick and Car- Carl were, like, fucking broken up about Judith being dead. Yeah. And then it made sense for them to be, like, beside themselves with joy on the reunion and made that work. Like, it's going to be really weird to see what Maggie's reaction to her sister coming back, if Just it even happens. Give her a fist bump. <laughs> <laughs> Tara, no, Tara will take their wrists and, and, and make them, form them into a fist, and then, like, that, it's going to be a touching moment. Yep. The, the Tara brings the two sisters back together. Powerful stuff, man. Their wonder twins will activate. Maggie will turn into a bucket of water, and Beth turns into a giant condor. Awesome. Uh, we, we get more flashback here. Abraham's family's scared of him. He's covered in blood. That's the end of the flashback for the moment. Uh, so, a couple observations. Yep. Abraham is married to Sarah Silverman with hair extensions. Okay. Not actually married. Uh, this is according to everybody on Reddit, his ex-wife, which is impossible to know. Okay, on, sure. On the show. Right. It, it's, it's, so I assumed that this was his family based on the way that the kid looked, the, uh-huh. the boy. Uh, <laughs> looks, uh, I mean, he's a ginger. He looks just like That's dad. racist. Not not racist. It's it's genist. Genist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pig, so, pigmist. So I assume this is, was his family. There's nothing that actually tells us that other than he kind of looks like him. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, that's again, I think okay to assume. Sure, sure. Uh, there's not much else that is okay to assume in this scenario. I am which convinced. Is the problem with I'm it. convinced that she's been roughed up. It looks like she's got a split lip and a black eye. Okay. Now, I, there's a lot of listeners that are outraged at the suggestion that we had that Abraham might be responsible for this, that, you know, that he, I mean, I, I had an idea, because first of all, I don't have a real clear conception of what happens after the Hunter storyline. Like, I feel like there's 20 okay. issues of the comic that I kind of spaced. Uh, you know, I, I know stuff okay. happens and whatever, but there's like kind of a blank spot in my memory. So I don't really, under, I don't quite remember everything about Abraham's backstory. Yeah. And and also the way Kirkman runs, I don't think that you can take what happened in the comics as any kind of guide for what exactly happens in this. Sure, and it would be a Kirkman style to throw something like the fact that maybe Abraham was a chronic abuser. Yeah, and you know, but a lot of people are outraged at the suggestion that we had that we would suggest something like that. But I thought that would be an interesting thing for the show to ponder. Like you have this heroic character. Uh, who is seen as a leader, who's seen as a badass, uh, but he's also completely delusional about his relationship with his wife or his significant other or whatever, and mm-hmm. she's just as afraid of him, you know, regardless of the fact that he's beat these men to death. And we don't, also don't know why he beat the men to death. That's the biggest problem I have with this whole scenario, is we don't know if he was protecting them. Right. We don't know if he just got enraged like he did later on in this episode and right. just... He blanked out and beat these guys to death for no reason. I mean, it's perfect. It, were it's, they breaking in? Were they part of his group? And they're were all they... plausible. Like a woman can be just could. I mean, she's more afraid of Abraham and what he could do than she is a world full of undead zombies. Yes. 
So she has to be pretty fucking terrified, which made me and, and also not just but we that. But know if, why if those, exactly she's terrified? If those guys were bad dudes, then because I, we don't know, we don't know how to judge her reaction. Was she being yes. irrational? Mm-hmm. You know, one of so so like there's and people are saying, well, that's not the point. The, the point is that his family left him, and he's a broken man because of it. I agree with part of that. Yes. But I think it is also a point to know why his family left him. What did he do something so horrible? Uh-huh. Did he snap and kill part of his group? Right. That's super important. Well, and, and we're also Abraham is and to not even hint at that. Right. I think is a huge problem. And we're also in the fucked up position that we're uh people not living in a zombie apocalypse making moral judgments like for example and nowadays, if a guy tries to rape your son, you'd probably call the police. You know, you might subdue him. You might whatever. You probably wouldn't rip his throat out with your bare teeth. Now, I know some listening people listening are like, "Fuck yeah, I would." <laughs> but but like, uh, and if you and if you if you did rip the guy's throat out with your bare teeth, it might traumatize your son. It did not traumatize Carl. Um, and we talked about it last week. The fact that we saw people being butchered with machetes. Like, you know, Glenn and Maggie kind of were, you know, looking like, oh, my God, who are these people? Yeah. And we're like, man, is that even I mean, it's crazy to ask. Like, is that a human reaction to have this far into the zombie apocalypse? Yeah. We don't know how far into the zombie apocalypse Abraham and his wife were. So she could just be shocked purely from his rage, uncontrollable rage. Uh, we She could have a, a previous history of domestic abuse. We just don't know. And I, I think it's. I think it's wrong for people to just dismiss any of those possibilities or say they're not important. Yeah, absolutely. It's important if Abraham uh, has an abusive personality. I think there's a lot of hints to that, too. Like, he does seem like he has a hair trigger on rage. Mm-hmm. He is not above pushing his uh, partner around if he's distracted or in a state of rage. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of dots you could connect there if you want to. And I don't know whether I don't know whether they'll actually fill us in on any of that or whether in Gimple's mind, yeah, Abraham's backstory done. Don't need to go back there. Done. That's what I feel like it was because on the talking dead, they explained exactly oh, why. Uh, wait, I do we consider that a spoiler or not? Cause not everybody I'm, watches the talking dead or the previews. So I, I'm fine. I won't even say what the, what the backstory I've got, I, is in the spoiler section. I, I fine. Will, I won't say what the backstory okay. is. The talking dead explains exactly what happened there. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's never put on screen. Sure. And, and I don't want, to have to watch a show after the show to understand what I just saw. That that doesn't make any sense. I don't want to have to have read the comics to infer what happened here. I don't like if this piece should stand on its own. Yeah, it's and lazy. It certainly doesn't in this episode. It's like if we had a, a podcast that came out on Thursday called Talking Watching Dead. And we're like, oh, the thing we forgot <laughs> to mention, we actually mentioned it happened off camera. You just didn't see it. Yeah. You'd be like, bullshit. You just didn't. You didn't do a good job podcasting. Yeah. Plenty of people said it anyway. I'm just saying a Thursday <laughs> podcast where we basically recant, fill in the gaps, or whatever doesn't make the original thing good in retrospect or complete. So yeah, no, I agree, hundred uh, percent. Anyway, we go to Rosita tending to Abraham's cuts again. Uh, she argues that they should rest up and start this mission again at hundred percent. Then Maggie and Glenn think that they should stop too, but Rosita changes her tone when they start questioning Abraham. She. She's putting on a united front here with Abraham. And they decide they're going to take the fire truck. You know, that's the other thing. The fact that she we decided to back the group. She's, um, you know, another th- reason I thought maybe that she is slightly afraid of Abraham or afraid of defying him 
Potentially. Um, okay. Because he was starting, like, when she was making very good points about maybe we should rest up, maybe we should be 100%. You know, we keep the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Expecting and he just, different results. his response was to get angry and angry and shoutier and shoutier until the other survivors showed up. Yeah. So what do you think of that? Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're going under the assumption that perhaps, you know, that black eye that she had, his ex-wife had, is given to her by Abraham, I think this, as the very next scene, reinforces that, that he might be a loose cannon who's capable of beating his significant others. Okay. I think you definitely could be onto something there. Uh, so apparently Roger and Pam, who are no longer with them, taught Rosita how to how to heal some wounds here. Uh, and basic uh, fire engine maintenance. Yes, that too. Um, I won't. I won't move on to the next scene just yet. I want to talk a little bit about this starting at one hundred percent sort of thing. Okay. Uh, this is another scene that shows us, I think, why Abraham's hand is symbolic of his mental state. Um, this idea of resting up and being at one hundred percent. There's there's a very good take on uh reddit about this from some guy named the jealous one um nope sorry the jealous one this is sorry is this, is that, this... that's for later that's about the the shape of things to come oh which we will talk about that is, that is yet to come though okay uh anyway so he he was this person on reddit not the jealous one uh-huh. was analyzing the the hundred percent and and abraham's hand he was saying that abraham's hand symbolizes the emotional scars that he has from losing his family and and he immediately after losing them finding out that he lost them eugene comes rolling up with this mission and that gave abraham something else to focus on he never was actually able to deal with losing his family and 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 it kept him from killing himself in that moment but now he's just been continuously moving forward never looking back at that never letting that wound fully heal and that's what is symbolized by his hand continuously opening up throughout this episode. Yeah, and I think they made that explicit at the end where they juxtapose yeah. his reaction to losing his family, falling to his knees, being looking at the sky, being in anguish with his reaction to him beating Eugene half to death, which was to drop to his sure. knees, look at the sky anguished. Um, and yes. we'll see whether he loses his will to, to live or fight in another episode, I, I'm, I'm supposing. Yeah, but and the the blood on his hands after he beats those people, he realizes that that action is what caused his family to leave him and get killed. And you know the the comparison of the blood on the hands there and the blood on the hands in the current timeline. I'm just impressed if for the first time in history, someone got a bloody hand without being a blatant Christ figure. Like okay. I, I can't remember a single fucking time has ever happened. Yeah, yeah. Making a point of someone having bloody palms and it not being a Christ figure. So kudos, Gimple. <laughs> kudos for not having him strike a, a Scott Staff pose or whatever at the end. Also, first time in history is that... it Scott Staff? Yeah, Scott Staff. Okay, good. Creed. Yeah, sure. I tried to split the difference between an F and a P, and it just didn't work. <laughs> And I couldn't play it off as, oh, it's Aaron being a mushmouth again. I wanted to get clarity on that. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, so they run out. They start up the fire truck just long enough to let the walkers out of the firehouse. Then it dies. Walkers come pouring out, and they have to defend themselves. And then Eugene goes superhero here, sprays them all down with the hose, and they move on. Uh, yeah, there's some good stuff here. First of all, mm-hmm. Abraham is ripped this season. He's in I much t- better shape. I talked about last season where Michael Cudless just kind of showed up a little doughy. Mm-hmm. 
little uh little, little less than impressive a little loose more... in the cage as tony horton would say loose in the cage <laughs> so he's a little loose in the cage he's he's like every single time he moves his arms like those guns are on display and, yeah and his his, his i mean pushing nice... that starter button yeah boom Gun yeah show. yeah it's just we're just rippling <laughs> that, that 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 button could have taken 200 pounds of force per square inch no problem he's mashing it down uh-huh so i like that um i really liked like the multi-stage head takedown that abraham did at this one particular zombie with the rifle butt oh yeah 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 and it's uh-huh. like um you know that scene in the protector where it was a Tony Jaw uh-huh. would like every once in a while, like every fifth goon he took out, he'd do this elaborate like multi-stage joint destruction. Uh-huh. Like I will dislocate your shoulder, your uh-huh. wrist, and now the elbow. Snap, snap, snap. He did that with a zombie's head. That was very cool. That was super cool. Almost one zombie kill of the week for Ooh, me. I can't wait to see what it actually does. Okay, having a hard time with with this. The, the, what happens next? Which the fire hose because. The fire engine wasn't on, man. I know. So that seems like it's impossible. And number two, I just don't buy that walkers are essentially sandcastles. But we've seen that time and time again, haven't we? Like, the the walkers are so mushy, you can take them out by hitting them with marshmallows. It's... I, I... so crushing skulls, not a problem. Sure, like under boot, blunt. I mean, blunt with, force trauma. I can get. I, okay. I, 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 I can understand. But and I don't know. Maybe you could. Maybe you could uh, just cut through them like a laser with a, a high pressure hose. Um, I don't know. I think it'd be. What if? What if they split the difference and just had him knock the zombies down? Which gave the other survivors a, a sure. chance to, to go rampage on them. I, I don't know. But that wouldn't be nearly as cool, right? Well, is this scene cool? Uh, I think it's kind of cool. It's not. It's certainly not the coolest method I've seen for dispatching zombies, but... Here's my rule for The Walking Dead. It was pretty cool. Treat zombies like oil. They don't mix with water. Don't fuck about with them in the well. Don't want to see them in a flooded basement. Don't want to see them dissolved like a sandcastle <laughs> in the tide. Oil Zombies and water no. don't mix. Keep see, the zombies dry. I was going to give Zombie Kill of the Week to the one whose head he took off with the hose. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And and the other I mean, thing I guess is, if you don't buy the idea of the hose altogether, like, then like like I see the CG blood and they, the CG blood was perhaps overused. Okay. CG water. Well, you have to, right? Do you? You can't just hose actors dead because that wasn't a, like a full power. I could tell, yeah. Spray that was that was, that, that, that was like a state. That was a Hollywood spray. So why can't you hit a stuntman in the face with a, a big water hose? I guess, I guess you could. Yeah, and then yeah, surely you got to you got you got <laughs> you got to digitally take off his head. But the, yeah, the yeah. CGI water is a bit much. I think I think overuse of uh, of uh, digital effects there. Hmm. Okay, they could have just gone analog. My Fair opinion. enough. What did you think about uh, seeing sick inside? Let them die when he sprayed off the ground. I thought that was a cool callback to the doors. Dead inside. Don't open. Yeah, I don't, but I don't, I don't know, because I don't think Abraham is laughing at that. No, he's not. He's laughing at just how fucked up, and that's the thing is, sure. I actually like that. I thought that was pretty funny. Cause it I, was. Abraham seems like the kind of guy that would giggle at just the depravity of yeah. all that zombie gut sluicing and ugh, wet, wet dead zombie smell. Mm-mm. 
Yeah, that I, dog's got nothing on it. Yeah, we'll t- we'll talk later about perhaps Abraham's background in the military. I guess. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that's my zombie kill of the week. Okay, the headless hose walker. What did you think about the intake for the uh, zombie <laughs> engine being on the roof and just clogged with fre- with with human entrails and whatnot? Like, did yeah, they I go? Don't know. Like, did how they, does a walker get up there? Did they drive the fire engine through a red sea of walkers? What the hell? The front of it looks like it's covered in guts. Uh, the radiator intake is covered in guts. No, the front end looks like it's been laminated by walkers. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm wondering, like, somehow a walker got on the roof, and somehow it died right on top of the intake. I don't know. But then someone came by and scraped it off the roof, but left the intake. I mean, this is this is this is nitpicking even for me. I'm just saying there's multiple reasons why I just this scene just didn't work for me. Sure, it seemed very contrived and like they didn't care about any kind of real grounding and that's what it takes for me to feel like it the zombies are a threat and to feel like it's cool when the heroes destroy them yeah i felt like it wasn't quite spectacular enough to justify the liberties that they took like if this had been more like you know walkers falling from the ceiling and spinning by their guts and that sort of thing that was more spectacular to me yeah no the walmart zombies i thought was pretty spectacular yeah and and so the strength of guts for me was not a problem (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, you, I definitely, awesome. I'm definitely down with the rule of cool. I just, you're right, this wasn't cool enough to justify. Now, if that was 500 gallons of gasoline, oh my god, and Eugene was up there hosing down with a flamethrower, <laughs> and he'd done some kind of redneck, you know, apparently he used all MacGyver. 500 gallons in that amount of time, and, and he I, sparks up a battery in front of it, and whoosh, you know, <laughs> that that would be cool. That'd be pretty badass. That'd be cool. But I guess he used up all 500 gallons. Is that Supposedly, right? I don't know. 500 gallons isn't a lot. I mean, I guess when you're spraying it out of a fire hose, no, it's not. Right. From a, from a, uh, a, a some kind of pump system that violates the laws of thermodynamics. <laughs> uh, you can move a lot of water through that. So we get another flashback. I think this is the uh, second to last flashback here. Uh, Abraham's family's gone. They left him a note, don't try to find us. So he, what does he do? He goes to try and find them. Abraham, you got to look after them kids. <laughs> what this yeah you don't you don't know nothing about that you're right that's an inside joke that's not even you are in on oh jesus is anyone in on it other than oh, you? yeah there's a couple thousand laughing out there okay anyway eugene's reading the shape of things to come by hg wells mm-hmm. maggie comes up psychoanalyzes him tells him the story of samson and then says that eugene is not like him uh samson's hair was much more beautiful <laughs> So, uh, the shape of things to come. Here is where the jealous one has something to say. Uh, I I looked this up on Wikipedia because I have not read this book, even though I'm a big fan of science fiction and a big fan of H.G. Wells. have not read it. Um, It is basically the story of uh, a big war. It's an alternative history from 1933 to 2106. Um, And it describes a big world war and eventual plague that... Uh, challenges humanity, let's say. And there's a dictatorship that forms around it and they abolish religion and they do all these things in favor of creating this kind of utopia, trying to re-piece humanity back together and create it better than it was before. Um, The Jealous One on Reddit has 
two passages from the book that seem to describe the plague that happens uh, to be similar to the Walker plague that we see in the uh, Walking Dead. So I want to read those passages just real quick. Uh, First one is, The disease appeared first in the vicinity of the London Zoological Gardens and spread thence with incredible rapidity. It discolored the face and skin, produced a violent fever, cutaneous irritation, and extreme mental distress, causing an uncontrollable desire to wander. Then the bodily energy vanished in collapse, and the victim lay down and died. Fever was not simply infectious through water, but transmitted by the almost impalpable scab scratched off by the sufferer. Wind, water, and the demented sick carried it everywhere. About half humanity was vulnerable, and so far as we know, now all uh, who were vulnerable took it, and all who took it died. Sounds a lot like the zombie virus. It sounds like a zombie virus. It sounds a lot like uh, Captain Trips, wasn't that, from uh, The Stand? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, I wonder to wander is kind of interesting. Yeah. Cause that's like, you know, Walker Romer. They've, yeah. they've had those, those terms geeks. Uh, that has nothing to do with that. Never mind. Strike that from the record, please. <laughs> uh, but I do think that, yeah, there has some, uh, some similarities looking back. And I wonder, I wonder if there's not some, some foreshadowing there too, in the, it sounds mm. like this is society taking extreme measures to try to reboot civilization. I wonder if they're hinting that, uh, you know, in the seasons to come, we'll we'll see some of that. Yeah, potentially. Uh, so the second passage just kind of talks more about the wandering, so I'll skip that. Okay. But I thought that was pretty interesting, um, parallel to The Walking Dead. What do you think about the Samson business? I don't know what the fuck to make about Samson, honestly. You know, when reading the Bible, I always thought that, too. When you get to that part and Judges or whatever it is and Samson is walking through, he sees this dead lion, there's honey inside of it, and he tells us, like, how the fuck? How in the fuck? Like, this is a man, you, you at least got the, got because then he goes off and kills them all if he doesn't get his answer. He, like, slays them all with a moist jet ass's jawbone and then cuts off their foreskins and brings them in a Kroger's bag to somewhere. Uh-huh. It's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> uh, but it's like, you know, it's like, that's not playing fair. Like, okay. I could, you know, I could ask, uh, so uh, here's your riddle. What three objects do I have on my dresser at home? Mm-hmm. And if you don't know it, I'm going to kill you, you fool. Um, is that Gimple trying to tell us about his mental process? Like, you can't understand. Unless you're inside this madness, unless you're inside the cage with me, you can't see where I'm going. You can't tell where I'm coming from. Don't even try. Don't even try, Jim and Aaron. <laughs> it's a fool's errand. I don't know. It's it's the madness of the riddle about the honey inside the dead lion. Yeah, it beats me. I I don't know what that Samson stuff meant in relation to Eugene. Yeah. Uh, people smarter than I certainly will talk about it. I'm telling you, it's the Gimple's thought process. The answers okay. are only in his head. Could be. Could be. Well, certainly a lot of the shit that should have made it onto the screen is only in his head. So we know that much. Anyway, so they smell something horrible while they're parked here in the middle of the road. Doing doing what to this truck? Did the truck break down? Did Abraham need a sandwich? Like, what is going on there? Yeah, he was crouched over this equipment locker kind of thing in the middle of it. I don't think it was an engine compartment, and he acted like he could just go back and start it up. Yeah. Maybe they're all taking a piss break. I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's super mm-hmm. important, but yeah. they all seem to stop I mean, if your for... mission is to not stop... Yeah, they were all stopped for a long and indeterminate time. 
standing guard and everything yeah which that's really funny scene from tara where she was he's like we can't stop we are stopped Uh (laughs) uh-huh that was awesome like don't make fist bump be the voice of reason abraham sure no i like that i I really enjoyed that tara (laughs) good call uh they smell something horrible they spot the herd just down the road but for some reason abraham refuses to turn around and rosita finally takes the side of the group for once and then abraham flips out causing eugene to reveal that he's full of shit yeah that's Uh, the scene yeah, I'm, I'm going to break this, I guess, into two pieces, kind of like Abraham broke Eugene into two pieces. We'll get to that in a second. But there's there's this moment where Abraham is talking to himself. After after he, he sees the herd, he's talking to himself. He says, I will not lie down. I will not abase. I will not give up the ship. I know that I don't, don't give up the ship is a slogan of the Navy. Does this mean that Abraham is a Navy man? I, I don't know that that is true. Don't give up the ship. No? I, yeah, I feel like that's... I mean, I've seen that. I, I know I've heard that said, and I know I've seen it around. I mean, I, I feel like that's maybe a Maybe it's more generic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I could see, uh, you know, don't give up the ship is, is, is old school Navy. I mean, used to be... Sure. Uh, in the age of sail, used to be an automatic court-martial to surrender. Okay. Um, now a lot of times you get acquitted, but the fact that it was a, it was a court martial just, just for surrendering was, was some shit. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And if I, I, I searched for these quotes cause he said, I will not abase, mm-hmm. I will not give up the ship. Um, I mean, he could be, he could be Navy, could be Marine. Uh, he could just be spouting random <laughs> military shit. Maybe he's a soldier. That's the thing. Maybe he's like, a soldier of fortune subscriber. All right. Uh, you all know, right. I, who, who the hell knows? Uh huh. Uh, I yeah, he's clearly trying to pump himself up here to is keep he? himself going on his mission. Or is he yeah. just kind of going crazy? Like to me, this is Rick and the. It's this, both. This here was Rick in the tombs. Mm-hmm. Like and, and similar, you know, Glenn tried to get in front of it, and he almost got ganked for his trouble. Yeah, I mean, it might be you know him trying to keep himself sane by saying these things. Um, but I mean, clearly he's trying to stay focused on the mission at that point. Uh, in face of this literal wall put up in front of him of the dead. Mm-hmm. You got the dead carpet. Well, now we got the dead wall. Yeah. No, you can't drive through a herd. No, you can't. Because Not even that, with a fire truck. And that's, yeah, I mean, like, Abraham is fully fully insane here because that's a crazy strategy. The, yeah. This truck has already proved to be unreliable. Um, You don't have any supplies. Yeah. This thing breaks down for whatever reason in the middle of that herd, and it's over. You yeah. can't fight unless you're Chad Coleman armed with a <laughs> hammer. You are not not going to get out of that herd. That herd. Yeah, I agree, and I, I think it's and it's also awesome here that Rosita doesn't take his side, and I, I feel like it's playing into him going crazy even more because now yeah. he's losing the other person who he's come to be intimate with, and it's like. Oh my god, this is happening all over again. Now yeah. she's leaving me, and it just drives him over the edge. You know, yeah. and you know, also, and this isn't bad. This isn't a bad thing the show did. It's just something. Another thing that drove me nuts is them yelling and screaming on the fringe of a horde. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's like I understand they're far enough away they can't hear you, smell you, but you start screaming. I'm pretty sure there's got to be some zombie skirmishers on the flanks, like on the. Yeah. That you'll draw the attention, and that's how herds form. Like, one or two notice mm-hmm. a pattern, they all go, you know, like a flock of birds. 
Uh, yeah, not a good look, Abraham. Not a good look. Sure. Uh, so after Eugene reveals that he's full of shit, he then goes on to explain that he is smarter than everyone here. Uh, specifically, Eugene tells Abraham that he's smarter than him, and that's when Abraham puts him in a coma. I mean, he destroys Eugene's head. Yeah, so... Uh... Eugene is just full on Forrest Gump at this point. What What do you mean by that? He, he has, doesn't understand the consequences of what he's saying. At, at, I guess I was on board with the fact that Eugene is a con man okay. and that he's manipulating uh, somewhat skillfully people, and mm-hmm. that a lot of this, you know, mullet and the flat affect and the kind of gamer. Uh, you know the worst stereotypes of gamer affect was was also stuff that he was just putting on um to to make him seem less of a threat, mm-hmm. make him seem less of a schemer. But saying to Abraham, who is enraged, "I am smarter than you," that just seems like he yeah is it, it's he's Sonya from the bridge. He's full on autistic at that point, and. That's kind of limited, just kind of like in the bridge. It's it's kind of limiting what you're doing with that character. There is a sure. range of human relationships and experiences that it's going to be a real struggle to believe this character engaging in going forward, which may or may not be a problem. I don't know. It was a surprise to me, and it, it's it just seems so incredibly stupid. I mean, what's he going to like? You know, line up and just start giving harsh truths to people. Glenn, Maggie could do better. You know, <laughs> Rick, your accent sucks. Tara, nobody likes a fist bump. Car- Car- Carl, you're 18. You're shaving. Take off that top hat. <laughs> leave the tennis. Leave the top hats to me, and they better be Tennessee. I yeah. What? Uh. Uh, is it possible that he he thought he just miscalculated? He. He thought he was going to be able to get more words out than he did before he got plastered. No, I mean, it just don't you get the idea that he just can't help himself? I did. I did when he when he was talking to Tara earlier in the the library. I thought maybe he was confessing because he couldn't help himself. Yeah, I was really hoping to see that a lot of this was a put on that you know, because I, that's the other thing was with the remix mode. I really wasn't sure as early as like the first episode of this season, whether that, that Kirkman was going to make it be that he did have some kind of secret or some kind of knowledge. And yeah, I mean, obviously they weren't going to go to DC and just fix everything. Sure. But you know, if I, if I'm, if I'm Eugene, I'm committed to strategy. Why not have him take me to DC? Cause there's two possibilities. DC is a safe zone. And you get in there and you're like, yep, I lied, fuckers. Now what are you going to do? I'm surrounded by safety and they're not going to just let you beat me to death. Uh, Or Washington, D.C. is up in flames and he can be like, my God, my God, they got D.C. too. Curses. I can never. (laughs) You know, if only if only we could find a terminal in all the rubble. I mean, yeah, if you're in for a penny, in for a pound, you have already let nine people die for you. Glenn is the breaking point. I mean, I guess that that's fine. It just seems weird. And also, it doesn't seem like he's mm-hmm. capable of that kind of calculation. And also, again, I was really hoping he could just put this away and be a normal person because right now I feel like this personality switch is stuck in the on position and it's broken. And yeah. for as long as he's alive, we're going to have... Which might not be much longer. He might be dead as we speak. Who knows? That's true. 
Or he could uh, be what? Or he could be like brain damage. That would be kind of be an ironic twist. Okay. If he's like just heavily concussed uh-huh. and he's not the same guy. Yeah, this changes his personality. Maybe it'll make him more like Tara. <laughs> he beats some sins and he literally beats some sins into him. Yeah. You can understand the wonder of a fist bump. Uh, there is a great shot in this scene of Abraham contemplating the, contemplating the consequences of what eugene's revelation means what do you mean for him for the mission that he was on uh there's a shot while eugene is talking of abraham's face with eugene talking in the background uh that you can just see the wheels turning in abraham's head no i and and him going this mission was bullshit from the start the only thing that kept me going was that mission what do i have to live for this is all for nothing and and you can just see abraham's spirit just crushing under the weight of that. I think Cudless is doing a impressively good job at working with the material he's got. And yeah, the fact that that scene worked at all is a testament to, you know, probably several people coming together and, and doing some good work, but, but yeah, yeah, I mean, and even the, I thought the, the musical cues were effective, which I don't, walking dead seems to struggle with this particular emotion. Like they do like pounding and tense, uh, but anytime like things are happy or light or like really sad and dramatic, um, I, I don't think they do as good a job as when the things are like tense and scary. But I thought, yeah, that that this this scene worked in a way that it probably didn't have a right to, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like maybe they <clears throat> they should have shot it or should have cut it in a little different order, though. Like this flashback we get at the very end, I feel like if we had seen that before we saw uh, what that revelation and what it meant to Abraham. Like if we had known in that moment where we're looking at Abraham and Eugene's talking exactly what this means to Abraham, maybe it would have been a little more effective because, because we don't find out till after those shots that he was about to kill himself Uh because his family was dead and that Eugene came up and gave him the mission. That's the only reason he continued. Yeah. So that, that, that blow doesn't work till the second time you see it. Yeah. I feel, uh, but you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't terrible the way that they did it. Sure. Okay. So on this final flashback, I got a little bit of flack for like nitpicking the way that they chose to make Eugene run. But okay. I I I do feel like you know Eugene's comic relief. Mm-hmm. It's it, but but it's weird to treat him as comic relief in this very heavy moment. Yeah. And I felt like it betrayed the scene. Like I would have liked to see Eugene run like a normal person. And just trip and fall or something. But just this like, you know, I I it's I don't even know what you would call that run. Like well, boneless run, yeah. Like he's just yeah. kind of flouncing around and oh help me oh, and gesturing with both hands. Like he's like it's some like kind damsel of, in distress shit from really bad movies. Yeah, he's like a seventeenth like, century foppish aristocrat more than yeah. uh y- you know uh a basement dwelling gamer dude like i and it it's again it's thinking like they the physicality performance was saying slapstick yeah these music and the seriousness and the despair and the fact that man almost took his life is saying drama and you know what's my biggest pet peeve is is fucking tonal clashes mm-hmm. and that you know the ending the episode on that note was the last kind of straw for me okay i can so. buy that Listeners, I need your attention for just a moment. 
Something very serious with the Bald Move Network has just come up. Uh, last night, we were looking at our voicemail line. You know, we have a couple every once in a while. This one was special, though. This one... Special? I'd use the word frightening. Yeah, it shook us to our cores. This is the one we have been dreading. And after talking and consulting with our legal department, we thought we just had to share it mm -hmm. with all of you so you know what threat we're faced with. Children and people with weak constitutions should shut the podcast off now because what you're about to hear is terrifying. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and play it. This is the threat that faces Bald Move. So given these developments, we have a request of our audience. We need to double down on our efforts. Yeah, we will, we will not back down in the face of overt threats. Yeah, yeah, you don't come on our podcast and threaten us. We refuse to kneel before the Copper Lord. We will take all of your pennies. We're not going to take them by the individual penny. We're no. not going to take them by the dime. We're taking them by the roll. We will not back down from the dread Lord Bezos. We will not. And we need your help. We need our backs stiffened by several rolls of copper pennies. Spines like copper. We need a copper spine infusion, like Wolverine with copper we're anodized i'm pretty sure help us stop this madman help us siphon off his pennies by going to amazon.baldmove.com the secret the copper lord is trying to suppress is amazon.baldmove.com you get the same great shipping the same great pricing the same great support and item selection you know what else you get the pleasure of denying jeff bezos his pennies Help us end the tyranny of the penny lord. Amazon.baldmove.com All right, do we have some feedback? We have buckets. Okay. We have 500 gallons of feedback that I'm going to... <laughs> spray all over I'm the going audience? To, I'm going to spray on you at high pressure. It's going to take my limbs off. And and the only thing that's going to save you is the fact that the engine's not actually running. So it's going to be a fraction of its right. real power. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. K Pockets brought out this email, but also Andrew K. Uh, I usually just pick one if you got two identical topics, but these guys came within five minutes of each other. Okay. So I'm like, ding, 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 winner, winner. You both got a chicken dinner. K-Pocket says, hey, guys, I'm an avid listener, and I enjoy your insight. During Slabtown, you guys briefly pondered whether we would ever get to see what the deal was with the funeral home Beth and Daryl were hanging at. I wanted you to fill, in on, fill you in on something I heard a while back on what I believe was the Talking Dead. Scott Gimple said that they had a whole story on the caretaker and even shot most of it, but they decided to drop it due to time restraints. I don't think we'll officially ever find out. What do you think? Are you okay with us not getting a resolution on the funeral home? Sounds like you're going to have to be. Yeah, at this point, I don't give a shit. Okay. 
Like, Mo- who cares? Moving on to Jenkins B. Many people have been asking, how did Beth know which key to take to get access to the elevator area? If you uh-huh. go back about four and a half minutes into the episode when Dawn opens the door so that Dr. Steven and Beth can dump the body, the camera focuses on the blue key and Beth, uh, his head is down, or I think you know, she, uh, they mean that she's actually looking at it. And then they do a insert of the key being used as if to suggest that she right. sort of observes that. They we never actually, it. yes, we missed that, certainly. Um, I missed it the, watching it three damn times, I know, so Jesus. I know. Uh, they also never use that key. What do you mean? They don't actually use that key, do they? Yeah, of course they do, because you, you have to get, you have to, they imply it because you have to use it to get to that elevator. You use it to get to the elevator? Yeah, Dawn, that is not the elevator No, no, no. Dawn, the no, no, no. Dawn opens the... Because it's in a kind okay. of vestibule that has a double doors. Gotcha. She opens up those double doors to provide access. I'm sure that okay. thing... All right. That hallway stinks to high heavens. You gotta keep the doors shut. She, she should have just gone through the air vents. I mean, everybody <laughs> knows you can get anywhere in a building through the air vents. Beth McLean style? Yeah. Okie doke, then. Um, let's see here. Dan W said, although you are correct that a bottle, oh, this is taking, this is taking umbrage to our use of our movie terminology and our, 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 uh, perhaps incorrect analyzation. Okay. Uh, says, although you're correct that a bottle episode is typically a way for a showrunner to save money on a particular episode, you are wrong about what constitutes such an episode. Slabtown is not a bottle episode. Sure. A bottle episode is one in which a showrunner uses as few non-regular cast members as possible and restricts the sets being used to pre-existing ones. A typical example would be Breaking Bad's Fly, essentially only Walter and Jesse and almost entirely within the meth lab, mm-hmm. or any number of community episodes that took place entirely within the study room. By comparison, this episode almost exclusively used guest actors and used an entirely new set. I guarantee this wasn't done to save money and was probably far more expensive than Season 4, Episode 3, which was almost entirely in the church and featured few... Oh, Season 5, rather. Uh, Set entirely in the church and featured few additional actors outside of the regular cast. I appreciate your willingness to look at things like the writers and editing and the impact of finance on the overall storyline decisions. This show has a bad history of those factors playing disproportionate roles, most notably in the decision to stay out in the prison in season four. But you dropped the ball in discussing this one. I don't know that improperly referring to something as bottle episode is dropping the ball on discussing an episode. Well, but we also but, said that as a potential motivation to save money and that, that definitely was wrongheaded. Okay. Yeah. I mean, sure. Would you say they're nitpicking the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I would never say that. All right. You're just known to ice of a guy. <laughs> nitpicking is not the right term. Aaron. All right. Dan continues. I agree with you that it's an odd decision to end last week's episode with a bomb of a cliffhanger, i.e. Carol's appearance, then to segue into an Abraham Glenn episode. At the same time, perhaps Gimple is gun-shy after the backlash to the three-episode governor arc and doesn't want to repeat the same mistake with the viewers, causing him to make a completely different mistake. You mentioned the show's penchant over the past two seasons for showing us the outcome of something, then backtracking and showing us the other side of how our heroes got there. Perhaps Gimple was a big fan of the movie Clue. I actually like the storytelling device so long as it's not overused. But I think the more interesting narrative device this season is how Gimple is playing with the viewer's sense of time. We got to the scene in episode one of Morgan, which, according to the Gimple on Talking Dead, happened months after the events of the episode. We actively debated how long Rick and company walked before encountering Gabriel. 
we are now watching Beth's storyline with no concept of when exactly this is happening or how long she's been there. Is he citing these things as good things? No, no, it's uh, no, okay. not, not, right. not really. Um, uh, with no idea how long she's there, at least until Carol showed up. I believe it reinforces the sense of confusion and lack of cohesiveness that these survivors struggle with every day since the fall of the prison. I think it's an extremely bold choice that was sure to incite at least a moderately negative reaction among the portion of viewers, and I applaud Gimple et al. for doing it. That's the interesting okay. about Dan's feedback is he's like, I applaud the fact that they went for it, even though it didn't work. Okay. What? I don't like being lost in a sea of bullshit where I can't tell yes. what the timeline is like. And if my, and again, I don't know if my and, theory and being, and being set up for things that aren't knocked down. Uh, okay. So I like that when they do that in a plot that is linear, Uh huh. they set things up. Time progresses, and then we get the payoff for the things that they set up earlier. Sure. What I don't like is when they tease, uh, they they hit us with a cliffhanger, and then they take three weeks to get back to it. Sure. That's what happened, because the cliffhanger is not Carol. Uh-huh. The cliffhanger is Daryl at the church. At the end of episode three? Yeah. We're not getting back to that, people, for a while. Yeah. Two episodes now, at least. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and, you know, I think I might have said an instant cast, or maybe we were just talking amongst ourselves, but my theory is right, and I'm not even sure if it is, it's, you know, I don't think there was a problem with the writers and directors per se on this, uh, but if you're right in that you've got a, for sure, Gimple is an inexperienced showrunner, and he's got a lot of inexperienced writers, um, mm-hmm maybe not try so much high concept storytelling maybe try to get a meat and potatoes season that's satisfying and delivers the goods and and get that stuff nailed down and then stretch your wings and fly a little bit because that is as it is i feel like i'm i'm kind of watching a person learn how to tell a story and learn how in the hardest way it's like if somebody if you had never ridden a bike and you're eight years old and you're trying to learn and somebody hands you a fucking unicycle. Yes. Like, and then puts you it's on so hard to characterize properly when the timeline is jumping around yeah. left and right. Yeah. That just makes the, the bar of difficulty way higher. They stick you in a unicycle and put you in like the Cowboys stadium that seats a hundred thousand people. Everyone's, <laughs> Everyone's watching. watching. Yeah. 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 It doesn't seem no like pressure. Get out there and nail it. <laughs> doesn't seem like the greatest uh chance of success but i mean i i agree to dan with the point that i i would rather watch something that's challenging and interesting yeah and even if it misses the mark a little bit then completely stay safe but this is the one thing where maybe you play it safe because the other thing well, is, i think it's just missed the mark too much like they've left stuff out not a lot of it has made a lot of sense yet okay um, so I noticed Alan Sepinwall speaking highly of this season. Okay. But if you read his reviews, the language is very guarded. They're very short. Um, and he's not too specific in, in the praise. Andy Greenwald, which rage quit the show two, three seasons ago on Grantland. Ah, said, fuck I, that guy, I, I, I'm too good for this show. I refuse to cover it. I'm not even going to finish the season. Okay sang its praises to high heaven in an article he wrote on Great Land and then went on Bill Simmons' show and talked about how awesome it was. What the fuck, man? Are we... Are, 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 I, I don't know what to think about that. First are, of all, there has never been an episode of television where Andy Greenwald agreed with anybody about it. 
Andy Greenwald is a contrarian asshole through and through. <laughs> True Detective every, sucks. From everything I've read about him. Walking Dead sucks. He just takes the opposite position of the majority of the people all now the time. Now Walking Dead is good, sure. So fuck that guy. <laughs> like, okay, all right. I, Strong words by Jim Jones. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> okay, let's move on then uh, to Tony D. Uh, in the episode where Abraham was killing those men and his family looks terrified, you were totally correct. It was a half-told story. Oh, shit. I scolded you for putting spoilers, but then here I got this in the non-spoiler section. Son um, of a bitch. But anyway, it's it said later on in Talking Dead, they talked about the story. She goes, it's bizarre that we have to watch a show to get to the whole story. Yes. Lazy writing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I. It's annoying that now three times this season... We've scratched our heads about watching the show, and then we get people sending in. Well, on Talking Dead, they said, well... Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm not watching two hours of show to understand the one hour of show. Right. Because I don't even particularly <laughs> like Talking Dead, is the other thing. Also, we can't watch it no, until we're after doing, the fact. We're doing instant cast and all that stuff. And, yeah. And invariably, the one or two interesting things that are on the show, people email to us, so... Yeah. I get to skip a bunch of Hardwick and but, Dimple I mean, and commercials. Baseline. Yeah. The information that you want people to understand about the show needs to be in the show. Yeah, like I... I don't care how many companion pieces you release. For example, like if on Game of Thrones, if they did an episode and you're like, I don't understand. I'm like, well, if you read the books, you'd be like, bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. I shouldn't have to read the books to enjoy the TV show. Like this isn't David Lynch's fucking Dune, where unless you've read the books, it's just an incomprehensible mess. That's not what you're aiming for. <laughs> so, no, you're not. And and this is not you like... You shouldn't have to read the comics. You shouldn't have to read the after show to understand what's going on. Th- there might be a place for that. But you want to describe it as like the Walking Dead experience, right? You want to get these multimedia platforms all mingled together. They're not doing that. They're just making a show. Uh, Patience B says, I have a very love-hate relationship with this episode. Every scene which Maggie spoke was very boring to me. Whether she's trying to bond with Eugene or having yeah. pillow talk with Glenn, I was bored. Mm-hmm. Tara's fist bump is just stupid. I would like to see her killed ASAP. <laughs> In contrast, I loved Abraham's flashbacks. Seeing that this mission saved his life and now he learns it was a lie, mm-hmm. this was done well in my opinion. They did leave me with a couple questions, but not enough to ruin it for me. I do not think he was a wife beater. I want to think he killed those men to protect his family. I gasped and teared up when he found his family torn apart and was about to off himself. Yes, Eugene was the awkward dope trying to escape the walkers, but can we really expect anything different? Uh, Cutlets did an amazing job portraying a homicidal papa bear turned broken man turned man on a mission in a matter of minutes. Then he comes full circle and is that same broken man again. Yes, his wife was stupid to leave, but seriously, on this show, has any mother made any smart decisions or acted like a real mother would? As a mom, I'm curious to know how many of these writers are parents. I hope that since they are all still close to the church and the mission is lost, they'll just go back to Rick immediately. New mission. Reunite this group and make staying together and alive the only real priority. Jim Jones, your thoughts. Oh, my God. She's so right about so many things. Yes. Uh, I I I think maybe I'm thinking his Abraham's family is a little stupider than she does uh, for leaving him. Regardless of him killing these people with a soup can, he was doing it apparently, according to the Talking Dead, to protect them. Uh huh. Um, I don't know why that makes you afraid of the man who just saved your life. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I'm more afraid of the man who just saved your life than the world outside. The the shit show that that's become. Unless he's popped you a couple times. Sure, sure. But according to Talking Dead, that is not the case. Sure. Um, and yes, 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 on how boring and useless Maggie and Glenn have become. I don't right. give a shit about them anymore. No, I really don't. There's They're not no, characters anymore. They used to have chemistry. Oh, man. These they, scenes, they were my favorite part of, like, season three. And if you see them at the cons, they're still cute together. Oh, yeah. But there is zero heat. They need to There's go. There's zero passion in any of these if scenes. If this is how their characters are going to be from here on out, they need to go. Okay. Kill them. Uh, two seasons ago, I never would have believed that. Right? And uh, and the thing is, like, Bob and Sasha kind of took that torch. But now Bob's dead. This group's got no... Yeah. And I, do you do you believe that Rosita and Abraham are anything but physical chemistry? I don't feel no. like he loves her. I don't feel like she loves him. I don't think he's capable of that at the with with what's going on in his head. And that I kind of miss that. And uh, you know, like I'm not yeah. a big shipper or whatever, but I you know having a, a normal, just like I'd like to see Rick as a father fighting for his children. That's an mm-hmm. that's an interesting angle to have like two lovers fighting this for for each other, and it also you know, is real dramatic when one of them goes off on a mission or one of them, you know, there's stuff you can do with that. Having a bunch of just kind of like, it's like, I don't know. It's like if this, the gang of friends from the show friends were in the zombie apocalypse in season one, they're not, none of them, there's no relationships. Like if Phoebe gets eaten, does Chandler cry? <laughs> does Joey cry? Who gives a shit? Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that's, that's my problem with it. Yeah. I just don't, don't feel the passion from them anymore. And it's, it's just dry. Uh, Teresa B. said, I think the saving grace of this episode is the revelation that Eugene was, in fact, not a scientist. I feared the show would stretch that out longer, so I'm glad that we were able to put that issue to bed sooner rather than later. Whether or not you're a reader of the comics, it was obvious Eugene wasn't all he professed. If this was dragged on any longer, I would have been reminded of Lost when the producers were stretching out the reveal of who was Ben's man on the boat. Reveal fell short when every viewer was like, duh, it's Michael. We figured that out episodes ago. Not a lost man, Jim. Spoiler alert. Come on. Not not a lost man. What did you make of that feedback? I agree with the, her general thrust. Yeah. Yeah, she's right. Um, I wouldn't have wanted that drawn out too much longer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll keep on rolling like like Abraham's uh, fire truck. We'll keep rolling on, even if it's the the wisdom is questionable at this point. Yep. Kim M says the question: If church, if the church truck is on fire and black smoke, good God! If the church truck is on fire mm-hmm. and black smoke is billowing, mm-hmm. will Rook's Rook's group, Rick's group, be able to see the smoke from fifteen miles away? Should not have put as much vodka in his diet coke. <laughs> he should, yeah. I think. Okay, yeah, right. Because we, they'll be able to tell whether it's that's still burning thing. or not. Too. That's a thing, and whether a new pope has been elected. Sure. Yep. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll get a resolution on the Rick storyline and find out the new apocalyptic pope next episode. Pred- prediction time. Are they going to go back to Rick, or is Rick going to come up to them? I don't know. I'm fifty fifty. Ah, you're waffling. Um, you're uh, you're riding the fence here. Make a bold prediction. How about how about option C? Actually, okay. there is a good option C, I think, because I, I almost stole this idea as my own, but I think I read it. Ask me that at the end of the, uh, at okay. the, end of the feedback section. Sure. Uh, she continues, Kim does. Uh, I think that Maggie and Glenn are going to leave this group and head back to Rick and company. 
So there, bold prediction from Kim. Yep. Uh, as for Maggie never mentioning Beth, it was very, very obvious in this episode that she did not mention Beth. I think in some, <laughs> it's just some por- form of wishful thinking on her part. Maybe she doesn't talk about Beth and Beth is still alive. No, I think, that? It, I think it's that she just thinks she's dead. I Maybe, maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, moving on then to Travis S., says, I thought the episode was okay and in pieces. The pieces were there for it to have been pretty good, but I have to admit that I'm not a fan of the current strategy of complete bottle episodes. Nope, no, no, not a bottle episode. After Slabtown, I thought it might be interesting to handle things this way by telling the story in a series of completely contained episodes featuring each group during the stretch of time that it most likely uh, takes... Uh, wait, and that most likely ends up with everyone at the same place that the mid-season conclusion takes place. But there's one thing that I took for granted. When you take Rick, Carl, Michonne, Daryl, and Carol completely away from multiple episodes, I find myself caring a great deal less about the show. Mm, yeah. I like Glenn and Maggie a lot and would have added them to that list above, but the fact is that this was an Abraham and Eugene episode directly following a completely Beth episode, and their mere presence wasn't enough to carry my enthusiasm. I get that they are bringing new people in and want to establish them as rich characters, and that these episodes accomplish that. But I don't think I care enough about Abraham and Beth to account for the fact that the characters that I really care about have been completely absent for two weeks. This was all a big gamble, and I bet their plan culminates well and will enjoy a payoff, but I kind of doubt that it will be worth it in uh, the end. I know I now know the answer of what The Walking Dead is without the core group of people. To me, it's not nearly as interesting. Is that a problem for you, This the fact that Abraham, Rosita, and Eugene haven't been properly developed enough as a character to withstand a standalone episode where they are developing as characters. I don't think so. Like like I said, on second viewing of this episode, the characterization of Abraham and, you know, tangentially Rosita has done a lot more for me. I think it's better than I gave it credit for in the instant cast, which is the nature of the instant cast. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't know how I would have done it better. I, I would have certainly inserted a two second shot of what those dudes that he murdered were doing, but I, I think it's handled fairly effectively in this episode. Okay. Am I crazy? Am uh, I? Am I just not? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not as on board with the this episode is better than I thought wagon as you are. Okay. I feel like it's a lot like Slabtown had a lot of interesting things it's trying to do, but it suffered from the fact that for the first 15 minutes I was kind of bummed that we weren't just getting right to the hospital. Yeah. And they, I don't know. Something about the flashback still to this day bugs me. Still to this day, two days yeah. later, bugs me that me too. We didn't have enough information, and it didn't feel it didn't feel as vital to the plot that it should have. It didn't feel as tightly connected. And the fact that mm-hmm. you have to, you know, really kind of reach back and think, okay, well, I guess Terminus was a, a turning point for him. I wish I knew why I'm guessing it's because maybe it's the, the human threat versus up, but that's just a guess. That's headcanon. I've made. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. That doesn't feel as in breaking bad. The thing I loved was you could see turning points in characters. Sure. And they uh, took their sweet ass time. They did getting there. It's like you have season one Walt, and in, in season one episode four you had season five Walt. That wouldn't have worked. Yeah, you could be like, well, 
because of what happened with Crazy 8, and I'm going to try to just keep as spoiler-free as possible, because of what happened to Crazy 8, he's turned into this person. But it's way too fast. There aren't enough dots to connect. It's way too fast. Yeah. So it's like, yes, that's that's something you can make up. That's something you can say. Mm-hmm. But it would have been better as a smoother transition. It would have been more meaningful. I know hate people hate when we compare the show to Breaking Bad. Too bad. It's it's hard to compare pop culture without comparing other pop culture. I could tell you how much better this is than uh, Falling Skies, for sure. example. Yeah. If I were doing a Falling Skies podcast, maybe we would do that. Although I think there's some pretty strong characterization in Falling Skies. Well, okay, we're moving on. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Barrett from Memphis, Tennessee said, of one of the many laugh-out-loud moments in this episode, the best one was with the poo-stained walker staggering into frame in the last few seconds after the bus flipped. Did you see the poo-stained walker? I did see the poo-stained walker. Answering the age-old question, do zombies shit in the woods? Affirmatively. Uh, Barrett says, go back and have a look as she staggers in with a large greenish smear running down her left or right leg. Looks like someone had a nice helping of blue cake icing and some Ducalox as their last meal. Hmm. There you go. There you go. Zombies have the runs. Okay. Maybe she ate a Taco Bell worker. Uh, Daniel M said, hey there, I heard your criticism of Tara and instant take and whilst... I agree that she's done next to nothing this season, narratively speaking. I do believe she's gone through some very subtle, but not quite interesting development. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, I'm sorry, but quite interesting. Oh, okay. One little word can change change it all. Uh-huh. Uh, she seems like the only character who reacts to things in a normal, rational fashion. She sees a man decapitate another man's head and says, fuck this, I'm out of here. Ends up with that man's daughter, doesn't hide the truth, gets told a secret by a quite clearly insecure, socially awkward man, doesn't blow that trust, and split the whole group apart. Uh, Man, it's hard. I think your first point there is strong, because it was refreshing to see someone just say something, not that have drama for drama's sake. Yeah. But the Eugene situation's not remotely the same in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, also, maybe we could ride bikes is the most logical thing that has been said in the show in quite some time. She seems like the most realistic character in the show, which makes her more relatable. I read this on Reddit and I completely agree. I think after find, falling for the governor's deceit, she became a lot more aware. Although her development isn't as obvious as others, her starting to analyze and criticize situations is going to make her a strong character. I just hope they start making substantial development on her and do not let her fall by the wayside. Uh... I was liking Tara. I'm liking her less in this season. And for reasons okay. we've already talked about. Yeah, I like Tunnel Tara, right? Tunnel Tara is a, a good Tara. Yeah. That was uh, post-traumatic Tara, but Tara trying, recovering Tara. Tara trying to um, get into the good graces of the group is good yep. Tara. Tara mm-hmm. fist-bumping Rick is not good Tara. <laughs> Tara, I don't know. Tara I, holding. I thought a dang, Rick's reaction made it good. Uh, Tara carrying a dangerous man who is making making no logical sense. Mm-hmm. Fun fact: as I get drunker, I turn Australian. <laughs> uh, is 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 not working for me either. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, Alex D said the editing on this show does not work at all. Imagine He's talking about our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, does not work at all. Imagine if we had an entire episode dedicated to Marie's shoplifting or Ramsey Bolton and Reek. Why did it feel so confident dedicating entire 45-minute episodes on one plot point? That's not even that great. 
Why don't they just cut from story to story like every other well-put-together show in the history of television? These individual tales do not work at all. If you don't like a character like Beth, which is just about everyone, you're fucked for that hour. And it makes you not want to even look forward to the next episode because you can't really be confident that the previous week's storyline is going to be continued. Remember the Ridiculous Governor episodes? Jesus. Yeah, you know, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. I don't think you have to be as formulaic as most television is. I think, like, take a look at Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is a fucking phenomenal movie. And it is not linear. And it can be done well. Sure. But, man, it takes a lot of time and effort. It does. And I don't know that you have that time and effort on television. Like, I just finished Slaughterhouse-Five for the first time this weekend. Yeah, yeah. It might be the best book I've ever... One of the best books I've ever read because it takes that to an extreme. Like, it really felt like a man took an entire man's life and put a few science fiction elements as a 52-card deck and just just riffle shuffled them. And it just, like, works so, so well. And it's so compelling. And as I was thinking, I'm like, my God, how did he write this? Did he write it as one long sequence Uh and then come up with the sci-fi hook and then... On a manual typewriter, because this was back in the '60s, <laughs> assemble this, or did, was it just created this way in his? Or head? did he just write this out stream of consciousness? I can't believe that's the case. It has to be more work to it than that. Uh, he's a fantastic author, but I would imagine, but yeah. Damn, mm-hmm. damn! It takes it just my mind boggles when he pulled this off well. Gimple's not necessarily pulling this off well. And in fact, I, I don't think he's doing a terrible job, but it's a very difficult thing to do. Right. And and yeah, it could definitely be done better. Yeah. As evidenced by Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And in any number of I, I, Memento is another one that doesn't do a, a standard time structure, but is fucking awesome. Sure. Uh, there, there are a lot of them. Sure. Uh, moving on. Uh, Dave McBee says, given the close proximity to the church at the time, the big reveal that Eugene was full of it. Are we going to have the reveal of the group coming back with Daryl being the Abraham group? Well, personally, I believe they will meet each other again in a way. That's not Rick rolling up 10 miles down the road, blaring Molly hatchet. As I said, in the instant cast, that's the other take. What if Daryl comes back with the entire Abraham group? Uh, that would be weird. I feel like he's coming back with Noah. I'm, he's got to be. I'm pretty sure he's coming back with Noah. Yeah. And I mean, I I guess it wouldn't be insane for him to come back with the Abraham group, but I I think it's Noah. Yeah, and that's the other thing. We didn't. I talked about this in the instant cast. I don't think I mentioned the main cast. Just how the fact that they only made it 15, 20 miles down the road added to extra layer of futility to this plot line. Yes. Like. Why did you need to split this off? Why couldn't this storyline work just as well with Rick and him butting heads instead of Glenn? And then that's a real German. That's that's super interesting. If Rick wants to go back 15 miles to the church. Yeah. Post up recoup. Yeah. And and Abraham doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Because Glenn and Abraham is not nearly <laughs> uh, a title card that no. Rick and Abraham are. Yeah. We know how that fight ends. Yeah. So. Um, anyway, he's, he continues, 
The timeline at the moment is also very confusing with Slabtown happening over to uh, what period of time? Was this episode between the time the killings occurred at the church and Daryl coming through the woods? I know we had a slow walking montage that delivered us forward an indeterminate amount of time in the future, but the timelines are all over. I don't believe this is a bad half season so far, but there are elements of this season that could have been so much better. Totally agree with that. Yeah, I want to say this is this is no season two, right? I mean, this isn't a season two. I feel like there are bits missing, but... Well, here's the thing. Walking Dead has never delivered more than three bad episodes in a row. Okay. I argue that we've had... I guess if I go back and judge them in hindsight, we had... An, and, and that's why I said people got all been out of shape at episode three. Episode three is all right. Yeah. It's all right. Had some problems. It's a bit pitchy, dog, but it was okay. If I'm Randy Jackson sitting here to your... Yep increasingly Paula it's, it's Abdul. not it's not going out to Vegas it's no but or Los Angeles no it's not going to make it back to LA no but but you know it's, it's alright humiliate yourself the last two episodes had some fatal flaws in my opinion yeah so it seems like we're just as likely to in the, the 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 last three episodes of this half season strong as we are it would be unprecedented if they don't do not recover from this nosedive Right? Sure. We don't expect this to continue. No, and I know what's coming up next episode, so I'm hoping it won't continue. Okay. But I'm not going to say anything here. Also, also, I think that the plot, again, I feel very strongly about the resolution of the hospital could be pretty cool. Yeah. And if that's a big part of the last half of the episode, the season, then great. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, Chris K said there are two kinds of zombies in fictional works. The first are the Haitian voodoo style zombies, which have been in older fiction, like the movie white zombie. This is all in reference to our discussion about if zombies are gone in the real world, uh, as Kirkman says in, in the walking dead universe, can you still have a band called the zombies? There are probably a lot of people like, I can't believe they're still talking about this, Yeah, why? but it tickles me and it's half my podcast. So all right, deal. Uh, the first kind are the Haitian voodoo-style zombies, which have been in older fiction like the movie White Zombie in 1932 with Bella Lugosi. Mm-hmm. While these are similar to Walker's and Romero zombies in that they are resurrected dead people, they're often portrayed as being somewhat sentient or doing the will of their master, usually the person who did the resurrecting. At any rate, the band of zombies was formed around 1962 and are named after this type of zombie. As far as I know, it's not until Romero's Night of the Living Dead in 1968 that we get the mindless, shambling, brain-eating herd zombies that most people are familiar with today. Mm. Romero didn't even use the word zombie in his movie, which was, which was later applied by fans. It, seem, it seems like the walking dead could feasibly take place in a world with the first and lesser known type of zombie and also a music group, but not the Romero model that the show follows closely. What do you think about that, man? I, that, that feels like a good way to keep the zombies in universe without violating the no zombies rule. Because voodoo zombies aren't really similar to the Walking Dead zombies at all. No, I, I take issue magic. With, with him saying that voodoo zombies are resurrected dead people. They are. Uh, as portrayed, they are perceived folk- as such. But yes. voodoo zombies are actually drugged people. Yes, and Walking Dead zombies are actually actors in makeup. I mean, it's the no, folklore in the story, right? No, well. No, so I mean, there is a a real life thing. There's real voodoo that is okay. Air quotes, real voodoo. Yeah, sure. There's with real air voodoo. quotes, real witch doctors. My point is, there is a real phenomenon uh-huh. where people are given drugs, buried, 
and pulled back out of the ground. Sure. And they are perceived as dead people, but they are not actually dead people. They are drugged people. Right. Living. Okay. No different from when they were alive, except they are now drugged and under uh, the influence of whoever drugged them. Yeah, no, the the whole... The truth and fiction of the Haitian zombie legend is kind of fascinating in its own right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still think it's... It's bizarre to say that they, you know, if if the culture says they're dead and the movies that feature them say they're dead, to say they're not actually dead because the real life ones aren't is is kind of uh, yeah. pretty fine hairs for me. Sure, sure. Uh, let's go on with Patrick, shall we? Mm-hmm. Patrick said, although there's a fairly lusty relationship between Abraham and Rosita being depicted in a believable way, it seems strange to me that we suddenly learn about the relationship now, half a season after we first met them. Uh, we kind of talked about this, so let's yeah. skip to his third point, or second point, rather. How does Abraham maintain the shape of his bushy Fu Manchu facial hair day in and day out? Ooh, good question. Uh, tweezing. He tweezes it. <laughs> I don't know. It's Rosita is in charge of all manscaping. Apparently, yeah. She can do wonders with that knife. Like, it's mm-hmm. not just for brain and zombies. Like, it will shave you baby ass skin smooth. Dolphin smooth. Dolphin skin smooth, yep. sure. Um, Mr. Rock and Rock says, regarding Eugene's flashback, this obviously is supposed to be a what-the-fuck moment in the episode. Unfortunately, it lacked the impact as well, partly because it had become a finally moment for most viewers. Obviously, uh, everyone suspected that there was something more to his story than the one he was telling, but the actual story that he invented a lie from whole cloth to save his own hide was so vanilla and literally unbelievable. What Abraham's backstory should have shown was that he was naive as sin or perhaps a bit quote-unquote special. Uh... So what do you think about that? The fact that knowing what we know about Eugene long term, it seems like we all had it figured out. Yeah. Why didn't Abraham? Is Abraham dumber than we know? Or he just doesn't care. Like at that point, does he want the mission so badly to keep him moving forward? That he doesn't care whether it's true or not. But think about so so that explains or, or Abraham. he's deluding himself. That explains Abraham. What about Rosita? What about Jim Bob and Cletus and all the other sh- people that got slaughtered along the way in, in this blood trail? Yeah, it, I, Rick's group within a couple of days of hanging out, this guy was starting to smell the bullshit coming off of him. Like yeah. what, what? You're going to do a rocket strike? That's the cure for zombies. What's what's <laughs> going on here? Well, I feel I so the only people I can speculate on are the people we've seen. I think you know Pam and Roger, whatever. Maybe they died two minutes after they met them. Who knows? Uh, but I think Rosita is propping up Abraham here, right? Like she has been all throughout this episode, sure, and other episodes. Um, so she's going to go along with whatever he says as long as he gets irate enough. Um, and, and Abraham himself is so blinded by the mission, uh, that he's unwilling to question it at this blinded by the mullet pretty much. Yeah. Revved up like a douche in the middle of the night and has been from day one. Sure. Uh, Brett B said ever since Abraham's group has entered the show, I've struggled to like any aspect of them being there. What do you guys find redeeming about them? He's calling bullshit on the whole Abraham experience. Huh? Uh, some needed comedy relief. <laughs> you do yeah, need some com- comedy relief in this show. Uh, uh, I guess having a badass, like a, just an American badass is kind of interesting. 
Yeah. Like, Daryl is a different kind of an American, a, a uniquely American badass, but this guy's more your stock Rambo, Schwarzenegger, who's not even American, I realize. Your Jean-Claude Van Damme, which is also not an American. Uh, <laughs> your Jason Statham's, your Jet Lee's. <laughs> Your Dolph Lundgren's, you know, a real American real badass. American badass. Your Arnold Schwarzenegger's, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think having a mission, like if they didn't have a mission, like at least some hope. part of this group, th- yeah, there would be no hope. Uh, and I feel like Maggie and Glenn have really attached themselves to that hope. Uh, but what else is the group doing? Like, what is their mission? If they don't have this mission, yeah, just no. to survive and and what propels them forward? Yeah, it, yeah, and I think you, I think the hope thing is is important because it is. Yeah, that's one of the criticisms a lot of people had when they walled on the farm, when they walled in the yeah. prison. That there was just you know, other than the Rick being a farmer, which was interrupted immediately by the plague plot. I mean, we skipped the part that was kind of hopeful about that. And just sure. stayed in the shit. Um, we need something to give us kind of hope. Yeah. And I'm interested in this sputtering out 15 miles from Rick's position. Where we go next for that hope? It's a really good question. Because I they can't go the way that they want to go. Um, and I know they're super accurate to the comic books. It still bugs me that Rosita is essentially cosplaying Laura Croft. Okay. Like, that is a ridiculous post-apocalyptic outfit. Sure. And no one ever says anything about it because I don't know why. Like, <laughs> I get there's 100,000 or so comic fans they are like, well, that's why she looks like in the comic books, and it was awesome. But she just, it's... Biting and scratching are lethal, man. Yeah. Put some fucking Carhartt on. Good God. <laughs> uh, that's it. If you'd like to send us some more email, you can do so at watchingdead at baldmove.com. We'd be happy to entertain your thoughts. You can also follow along on our live Facebook threads on facebook.com slash baldmove. Keep it civil, people. Keep it civil. Uh, No spoilers. Do not attack your fellow fans, regardless of how stupid you perceive their comments to be. Uh, We got a little out of hand in this week's thread. Uh, but that's okay. We'll, we'll try. We'll try again next week. Uh, you can also live tweet a gym on Twitter at Bald Move. Be as big an asshole as you like over there. No, 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 no. <laughs> Constant abuse and invective. Break this man down psychologically. Uh, at Bald Move. Uh, let's get to the spoiler section. If you want to join us there, you can. If not, we're leaving a, a wall of walkers behind us in the form of our, our theme music to repel you. All right. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. Be back next week after the show if you're not listening to spoilers. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Bye bye. With the spoiler section, what do you got? David from Cali said, Abraham is one of my favorite characters in the comics, and I'm starting to think it's more because of the relationship he had with Rick. Yes, I'm. It, it's tough for me. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf and not compare plot lines to the comics until the, the spoiler section, but okay. I think he's onto something here. Seeing how the Rick and Abraham relationship was basically non-existent in the show, I'm not connecting with him as much as I would like. 
For example, in the comics, Abraham relays the information that he had raped a man. Whoa. He raped a man. Whoa. Uh, wow. That he killed a man that raped his oh. wife to Rick. He raped the man that killed his wife. Yeah. Uh, he killed the man that raped his wife to Rick after Rick had killed the marauders who had tried to rape Carl. It seemed a much more natural conversation as opposed to giving an extremely vague flashback sequences. Yeah. I mean, even Michonne's dream sequence did a better job explaining it than this bullshit. Yeah, that's right. So that's a good point. Like, this makes perfect sense for Abraham to share this story with another man who went through an extremely similar experience and to almost that was a bonding moment for them. Yeah, yeah. That was the end of kind of them struggling for leadership positions and roles, or at least I think so, because, again, I'm kind of hazy between what happens with, with the hunter and when they get to Alexandria. Um, if he does that now, it's going to feel like, yeah, we already know this. Who cares? Yeah, I, I do feel like that Rick is going to eventually be the one that leads him out of the wilderness, kind of like what okay. Herschel did for Rick, mm-hmm. uh, getting him out of the tombs and becoming a farmer and whatever. Um, but that is a problem that again, the re Kirkman remix is striked again, mm-hmm. struck again. Uh, Chasmon said, since Eugene's confession, no need to go to Alexandria. Richmond has walls. Negan is in Richmond. It's much closer. So I, I did the math on this. Richmond, Virginia is 500 miles away. Okay. Alexandria is approximately 600 miles. Mm-hmm. It's not that much quicker i will say that it's probably Hmm. easier to film richmond in georgia than it is a suburb of washington dc because the closer you get to washington dc the more you're going to wonder why we're not seeing monuments why aren't we seeing the capitol why aren't we seeing yeah all these distinctive washington dc things like if you go downtown georgia and you never showed a skyscraper Mm -hmm. you'd be like what the fuck do you think they're going to film we're going to have a flash forward of 500 miles. We're going to be in Richmond and they're going to do basically all the Alexandria stuff in Richmond. Hmm. Why else mention that this town has walls? Yeah, sure. That'd be fine. I don't know. It seems like they've just totally changed the story with Eugene here so much so that like, I, I worry that we're going to miss out on kind of the cool stuff that you described to me that happens in DC where Eugene goes in there and we get a lot of these kind of political leaders trying to lead the show and the real leaders come in, the badasses. Yeah. Like Rick yeah. Yeah. Comes and, in and wants to lead the show and, and, and making, making Eugene, I tried not to allude to this in the main cast, but making Eugene out to be just a full on Forrest Gump is problematic because for him to have any depth of character, he needs to move beyond that. Yeah. yeah. And they're portraying a man who's almost for, genetic and mental reasons incapable of understanding mm-hmm. why people are mad at him or why i mean he kind of gets it but then he 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 get he understands enough to know that he's putting his life in mortal jeopardy by confessing and yeah. he, he shows an understanding of people enough that he can interject himself into an argument with a, a dramatic revelation to distract them but he's not self-aware enough to know that you can then go to this man and say I know I'm smarter than you, and he's not going to beat your ass. Mm-hmm. Also, am I the only person that didn't really have a problem with Abraham beating the piss out of... I wouldn't have a problem if he beat him to death. No, I, why would that be a problem? <laughs> I, I feel like the episode is, is structured in such that everyone's like, oh my god, Abraham, how could you do this thing? No, that was perfectly... That was a valid response, in my opinion. 
I agree. Yeah. This man has, has led you difference? on a goose chase that has almost killed you many times. What is the difference between uh, Gareth and the governor and Eugene? <laughs> well, one sweet-ass mullet. <laughs> <laughs> the Tennessee top hat? Yeah. No, I mean, he got nine people killed. Yeah. As a direct result of his lies and manipulation, and how many were the direct result of his sabotage? Yeah. yeah. Like, they could have been to Washington, D.C., and either he'd be safe, or it'd be a shit show, and, and then they could go on about their lives. He is... This is a, a character that legitimately deserves to be punished. Yeah. And I feel like Abraham punished him appropriately. Like whether I, he's dead or not. Writing my survival guides, I've had, I've handed out worse punishments for more minor offenses. Because <laughs> like you don't, Andrea? you don't fuck around in the zombie apocalypse. And yeah, uh-huh. Andrea almost blew off Daryl's head just being a dumbass. <laughs> and I'm like, someone should have pistol whipped every teeth uh, uh, tooth out of her head. Uh-huh. This is a zombie apocalypse. You can't fuck around. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, they played it as, as like this big kind of sad thing, and even Abraham's like, "Oh my God, what have I done?" You uh, beat the piss out of someone that deserved the piss being beat out of them. Sure, I agree with that. Uh, going back to the original point, I'm just worried that we lose out if they on some of the cool plot stuff if they don't go near Washington D.C. I mean, that's the that's the ironic thing is that Eugene actually turns out to be the savior of humanity, arguably. I mean, he's, sure. he is, you know, he's making mills that grind grain into bread and he is making ammunition and he's restoring power to things and he's doing all these really cool things. He's serving as an engineer, mm-hmm. something you need. And his own low self-esteem caused him to sell himself short and cause that's the irony of it. But you've got this guy who's like not capable of the kind of self ins- the introspection that that character arc requires. Gotcha. Maybe I could be afraid. I it just it just doesn't feel like it. I don't know that I'd buy him having these incredible insights into himself at this point. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they can do something to fix that by the time they get to DC, but it seems like it would be difficult. Allison in Indianapolis said, "I'm sitting this while sitting in the car line to pick up my daughter. I just read an article about the casting of Negan. Negan, God, I'm going the other way with it. This article reported Kevin Durand as approached to play Negan. I think that'd be a great fit. Your thoughts? Are you aware of this gentleman? Is this the guy from FX's The Strain? He is the uh, exterminator. You are correct, sir. Okay. He has been in various other things. That's he would one. not be bad. He's got a. He's younger than I imagined him. A little bit more. Yep. But he's reasonably well built, mm-hmm. and he's got a certain intensity to him. He does, yeah. Which is what you... you I still think Stephen Graham would be the better choice. <laughs> uh, yeah, he'd be good. She continues, also, I'm not a comic reader, but I know a little bit about a Met Negan and his gratuitous language, brutality, etc. Is that storyline a long one, and does it take place in Alexandria or Washington? Uh, so I guess I'd answer that is that Negan as a character is introduced somewhere around episode character 80, but he's just like mentioned as like a, almost like a warlord (laughs) of the region that everyone pays homage to that they pay tribute to rather. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then he's introduced formally as a character in issue 100 and we're at like 137 and he's still around. So he's arguably the biggest and most important villain in walking dead history. I got a, I got a, a, and thanks for writing in, Allison. Always good to hear from a Hoosier. I have a question. 
I noticed a lot of pseudo swearing in this show of late. You had Joe's donkey licked, and you got Abraham's like frickin' frackin', riffin', raffin', uh-huh. damn pecker, woods. Like you know, it's 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 Turned basic into mutley. It's yeah, it's exa- <laughs> it's basic cable swearing. Okay, and I've never noticed that in any other episode. Is this a paving the way for a Negan that can swear in a way that? is acceptable and that made it not look ridiculous since they're introducing the concept early on. I felt like what the reason that worked in Battlestar Galactica is because it, it we were supposed to not necessarily or think like, it yeah. was our universe. Yeah. So it's like the fracification of the walking dead. Yeah. I don't know if that works in like real world hmm. scenarios, but maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it worked really well in Firefly, too, to use uh, Chinese as swears, swearing. Yeah, that's true. Huh. Anyway. But those are both sci-fis, right? Yeah, 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 right. I mean, I guess this is a sci-fi, yeah. technically. Yeah. No, I, I. to me, I would like to see them just go the opposite direction, like I've said many times before, and just he, have him be incredibly straight-laced uh, from a verbal perspective. Incredibly depraved in every other thing, but the one thing he can't stand is bad language. <laughs> Like he will rape your goats. Uh huh. He will uh-huh. butcher your children. He will beat the man you love to death in front of you and make fun of you while you're watching it. But do not even let him hear you say hell or damn <laughs> or take the Lord's name in vain, even. Sure. Because that's what really sets him off. That would be psychotic and super interesting for me. It would be crazy. Uh, the other thing you said might happen is they were thinking about. So a lot of people are saying, "Oh, it should be this particular British actor who played." Oh wait, like, wait, 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 I got that's coming up next. It is okay. Mabrowski said, "Personally, I can't see anyone else, at least appearance wise, fitting the role of Negan better than Vinny Jones." Yeah. Why have I decided to just give up to Kirkman that this guy's name is Negan? It's spelled exactly like Megan, except with an N. <laughs> it's he not. Says it is, it's not no. Megan. It's mm-hmm. Megan. This is Negan. Until I hear it pronounced otherwise, <laughs> it's going to be Megan. Did you know that he pronounces Michonne as Michonne? Michonne? In interviews, he's pronounced as Michonne. On the show, it's Michonne. So I'm going to hang. I'm going to rock Negan until I hear yeah. Andrew right. Lincoln say Negan. The official Watching Dead pronunciation of that name is Negan. Negan. Yeah. Until I hear Rick say Negan, you mm-hmm. son of a bitch. Uh, anyway, can't see anyone else, at least appearance-wise, fitting a role better than Benny Jones. Are you familiar with this gentleman's work? I am. He's in Gone in 60 Seconds. Bullet Tooth Tony from Snatch. Yep. He's in... Uh, Rock and Rolla, right? Lock, all, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. All those Guy Ritchie films. All the Guy uh, Ritchie films. He's in... Iron he's Giant. In so he played stuff. the Iron Giant in he Iron played Giant. played the Iron Giant. Okay. <laughs> It's like, what the fuck? No, that's... Uh, but but you you had a good idea about what they could do with Negan yeah. if it were to be cast as Vinny Jones. Let me finish his email, and then we'll get to that. He okay. says... Uh, he, he sets his case for Vinny Jones. He's an absolute spitting image of Negan, and due to his size, would also have the same physical intimidation of his comic book counterpart. Yeah, he's a big dude. I also believe, thanks to his appearance in Elementary, that he could pull off the humorously, evilly twisted bad guy role, which I have not seen. The only drawbacks would be his ability to be the main antagonist for at least a full season, as he rarely seems to be in anything for too long these days. Hmm. And, of course, the dreadful Cockney accent. But who knows? Maybe that's a way for AMC to find a different quirk for Negan. 
Instead of the constant swearing, he could be a stranded Londoner who just happened to be visiting America when the shit hit the fan, has no way to return to his home or family. So yeah, he goes crazy with the with the bloodies and the twats and bloody the shites hell. and the bloody hell and the uh-huh. cockney rhyming slang. He's shatting on a turtle and he's, <laughs> uh, you know, he's can, can they go with fukin? Is fukin and a swear word? It's fucking hype. Uh, yeah, yeah. What is this fukin shite I, that I'm seeing? I feel like they might be able to get away with that, and that would totally cover it. Yeah. Right? Like that's totally believable, but where the fuck does this guy come from in in Washington DC, right? It would be funny if they just never explained that. Yeah. Or like someone asked him to explain it and he just beats him to a death. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, where am I from? Where am I from? Yeah. Let me have Lucille explain it to you. Clomp, slump. Anyway. That would uh, that might be a way around it, sure. Dave McBee, double dips in the spoiler section, asks us, did you see the preview for next week? It appeared that Daryl was carrying a corpse wrapped in sheets. Are we losing Beth or Carol in the next episode? Both. I can see it being... (laughs) Carol stacked up behind that one. I can see it being Beth, but this would make a mission a failure, his mission a failure, but it would be interesting to see where that goes. Could be anyone. Could be Dawn. It could just be he's burning a stack of bodies. Yeah. Uh, they do that in this group sometimes. It could be Don. You're right. They do. It could be, uh, shit. It could be Noah. It could be Noah. <laughs> like, it could be any fairly small person that he's carrying. Yeah. So we've got a little bit of show spoilers, right? We've got the titles and synopsis of the next three episodes. Oh yeah. Do you have do those, you have those at hand? your fingertips? Uh, I don't, but I can get them. I do not. I can do a song and dance routine until you find them up. Okay. Until you find find them. Find them up. Find them up. Find them up. Yep. Find them up. Up, is... up. Find them up. All right. Up, so up. next episode <laughs> is titled Consumed. And it says stakes are high when members of the group must go on a rescue mission in a familiar location. We know from the previews this is Daryl and Carol. Uh it's weird because the timeline takes us back before Carol got captured. So we're jumping around again in the timeline. Sure. Uh, the next episode is called Crossed. It says some members hold down the church while others are on a rescue mission. So this so must... now seems like we're going back to, like, Daryl has come back. So He's the next taken... episode all brings us up to where, uh, right to the where moment Carol's where taken. Carol's taken and he also makes it back to the church with yes. whoever. Mm-hmm. The episode after that, then Crossed. is what? Uh, some members hold down the church while others are on a rescue mission. So now so, he gets he gets the posse, and he takes them to take rescue some of them back to the hospital to assault it and rescue Beth. Yep. And then the final episode of the half season, Coda. Rick wants to find a peaceful agreement, but the enemies seem to prefer a more violent resolution. I feel like he's taking Rick back because who else are you going to take to the hospital? Rick, he's the fucking badass. Uh, he takes him to the hospital, and this is another hospital episode. Unless they, unless they can introduce another set of characters, like could this be uh, a, a misunderstanding with the Alexandria people or the Richmond people or whatever? They're so far away from Richmond, though. I mean, there'd have <sighs> well, to be a just, time jump. They could. I mean, they've done it before. Yeah, I guess. Long harsh Georgia winter got yachted through. Yeah. No, it seems like. I'm hoping this is not true, but it seems like the potential is there for them to be stuck on this hospital thing for the rest of the half season. Which I don't see anything in there that says Abraham and company come back. No. 
Um, I mean, maybe like they're part of the members who hold down the church. Like, cause I don't know who else holds down the church. I mean, the badasses they have, Sasha, Michonne, Rick, Carl. You need a decent number of badasses to go assault in that hospital. Yeah, for sure. Although I don't know how many cops she has. I mean, even to just make it into Georgia or into Atlanta. Yeah. You need a decent number of badasses. Sure. The city belongs to the dead, Jim, lest we forget. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm a little worried about the descriptions of these next three episodes. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But, what I if mean, they don't come back to Abraham this half season for, for another three really months? I don't really care. I've they despite all the character building they've done with I, I totally agree with whoever said that Abraham's only interesting in context of Rick. Yeah. Abraham on his own just kind of a loudmouth asshole. Um so I don't and I don't care about Rick or Glenn or Maggie. I don't care about Rosita. I certainly don't care about Tara. I started to, don't care anymore. I don't give a shit about Eugene cuz Eugene seems like a much less interesting more one-dimensional character than he was in the comics. So I don't care if we never see them until we get down to the gap. It's not like when they got captured by the Terminus people, I was really champing at the bit to get back to Abraham. Like I, this show is about Rick and Carl and Daryl. God damn it. And also a little bit about uh, Carol at this point as well. And Michonne Mm -hmm. can't leave Michonne out the group. And I, I I really want him to get back to them. Like I'm kind of interested in a, Dare I use the word bottle episode with Carol and <laughs> Daryl? Because okay, there has been some sexual tension there. Yeah. We know that Daryl's got some things that he's not comfortable explored. We also, they kind of flirted with him and Beth being somewhat of an item. Yeah. Um, and they're going to save Beth. So there's a lot of interesting things with the explore. And then Carol's interesting in her own right. So yeah. arguably... Carol and Daryl are the two biggest badasses in the group. Yeah. That's kind of enough to hold my interest just all alone. But I really want Rick to get back into this. Sure. He's been on the sidelines two episodes now. Going to be three. Yeah. No. I mean, the the big cliffhanger in Four Walls and a Roof was Daryl coming back, right? Uh Uh-huh. It's episode three, and it sounds like we're not going to get back to that point until episode seven. Yeah. That's four episodes we're waiting to get back to the cliffhanger that we all really care about. Yeah. Right? Like, what the fuck are Daryl and Carol going to do? Yeah. Like, the, the only thing of interest, because uh, you can't, the, so the only thing that's interesting is what happens to Carol and Beth, right? Because Daryl's not going to die. No. Um, maybe Sasha or Tyrese bites it. I mean, Rick's, Rick's not going to die. Carl's not going to die. Judith's not going to die. <laughs> Sure. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm definitely in for the next episode. I'm kind of interested in seeing what Beth and Carol do inside the hospital. Mm-hmm. But I'm having a hard time understanding how they're going to stretch Dawn, Dawn as the villain out for two, three more episodes. That's a little scary. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. All right, that's it. That's the episode, man. Cool. Thanks, everyone, for listening. See you next time. Yep, see ya. Have you ever thought, man, I wonder what Jim and Aaron would say about my favorite TV show? Would you like to dedicate an episode of your favorite podcast to your favorite person? 
Have a private phone chat with us, maybe? You can make all this happen, as well as get DVD archives of our content, show your bald move pride with backer certificates and autographed photos, and much more. And hey, they make great gifts. Just go to subbable.com slash bald move and find out how you can support our free and independent podcasts. 